Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, Winnipeg and Manitoba? It is time for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. The Jets have just wrapped up practice down at Canada Life Center earlier and uh, are getting on the bird to Chicago to uh, play the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard tomorrow night. Friday night game, 7.30 before returning home for the Coyotes on Sunday and the St. Louis Blues on Tuesday night. So uh, some Central Division matchups over the next few days. We'll get the latest on the Jets and a uh, very important Jet not at practice today. We'll discuss that in a few minutes. Scott Billick's going to jump on the program, as will Mike McIntyre. We'll uh, get the State of the Union from Scott and Mike on what's going on with the hockey club, their thoughts on the upcoming trade deadline as well. And then a little later on, we, we should, as I said, we're just getting audio right now. So we uh, will hear from Adam Lowry and hopefully head coach Rick Bonus as well. And then later on, towards the end of the program, a really great conversation uh, for our Sport Manitoba Takes a Community to Play series with uh, former Manitoba Marathon champion Chris Glowak. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy that. So, uh, should be a fun couple hours, wild night, or what, it wasn't really a wild night in the league last night, but one of the games of the year took place, we'll get to that as well, uh, but just before we bring in Michael Remus, let me give a big shout out to everyone that's joining us live on YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already, and make sure to subscribe to the channel, uh, as well as a shout out to everyone making the WST podcast part of your day. If you are a podcast listener, if you get an opportunity at some point, maybe during your work day or even afterwards, jump on the YouTube, subscribe to the channel, and uh, we always appreciate your comments as well after the fact if you're not able to join with our crew that's always in the chat room while we're doing the shows live on YouTube each and every day. Of course, a big thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen every day. Uh, our gang at Cool Bet Canada just finished a fun lock shop with Dustin Nielsen over at the Edmonton Sports Talk channel. Congrats to the EST guys for hitting 7,000 subs. And uh, speaking of that, we are so close to 11,000 subs here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So please, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and let us get to our next milestone. Um, our friends at Princess Auto, great sponsors of ours, and of course the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Sounds like Dalton Schoen's going to be popping by WST tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Of course, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Sport Manitoba with Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. Little Brown Jug, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, the Winnipeg Jets, Modern Man Barbershop, Manitoba Battery, and the Great Taste of Canadian Club. Uh, what's going on, Michael Remus? How are you? I feel good. It was a fun night in the NHL last night. Uh, a lot of the games taking place in the Pacific time zone or mountain. Yeah, it, was, it, was your, it was your prime time. Put the kids to bed. Yes. Put the wife to bed. And fire up. Did you go multiple TVs? Were you watching Austin Matthews score 51 uh, while watching the game of the year between the Bruins and the Oilers? I, yeah, I was actually. Um, I had that game. I also had my eye on the Columbus Anaheim game, but I was intrigued. I'm on Matthews Mania. You're I'm sick. You're sick. The Columbus, Columbus scored seven. I didn't see that one coming. They got some good players, Columbus. It's amazing how bad. How bad they've been, but yeah, you had the early games, Sabres, Canadians, Flyers, Blackhawks, not great games, but I'm on the Matthews train. He's really good. He's scoring every game. He's scored 51 goals this season, Huss, and we're, this is a historic pace. 
Uh, fastest American ever to 50 goals, passing Kevin Stevens. I think 92, 93 they showed on the broadcast. So uh, it's pretty awesome to see in Arizona. Good for him. And then I flipped over to Bruins Oilers. Some back and forth action. That was an that awesome game. game. Was absolutely, yeah, absolutely bananas. Like. You know, and uh, you know, and obviously, I mean, I get a lot of um, Oilers um, talk, and I'm involved in a lot from doing the lock shop with Dusty every day, and certainly paying attention to the great job the fellas are doing with their show at Edmonton Sports Talk. And the Oilers in the last few games have been getting absolutely caved in in the second period, and it happened again last night. I mean, you turn away for a minute or flick over to the curling, which I did. And you turn back and it's 4-1. It's like, oh, well, Boston doing it again on the road. Uh, Edmonton, a bit of a wake-up call. Get back to an incredible matchup between Caitlin Laws and Carrie Anderson. And then it was 5-4 <laughs> for the Oilers. Boston ties it up. And Charlie McAvoy wins it in overtime. An absolutely spectacular OT winner. Um, but that, that like, just as far as for pure entertainment, like I didn't have a bet on the game. Uh, I did, I was hoping for a McDavid goal. Um, but it, it was spectacular. I mean, it was back and forth. It was two of the best teams in the national hockey league. And, um, that is the sort of game. And I know Edmonton's in a different time zone. I know the game started late. And if you were on the East coast, the game didn't even start till 10. So a lot of people missed it. But that was unfortunate because, honestly, you'll go through 82 games for all of the teams in the league this year. Uh, I don't think you'll find many that were in the league of that one for entertainment value. Oh, yeah. I mean, back and forth, uh, 11 total goals went to overtime. You had lead changes, top players in the NHL uh, making plays. So it was a fantastic game. You know, maybe the teams, both teams would say they'd want to maybe be a bit better. Defensively, maybe the goalies would say they'd like some of them back, but Oilers, 42 shots, Bruins, 36. That was an awesome, awesome one. I was staying up late. I was editing uh, some stuff here, video of you and Marat talking about the lines on our channel that's getting a lot of comments, but also had this game on. So, you know, the Oilers looked like they blew it, then they tied it up. And then in overtime, and couldn't help but notice uh, Evander Kane looking silly on that winner by Charlie McAvoy. I don't know what he's doing on defense, but I see a lot of guys in the NHL do this. You saw it in, actually, there was a highlight reel goal in the Ducks game. You know, if you're a defenseman, like, I don't know anything about playing NHL defense, but stay on your skates. Do not lie down to block <laughs> shot. Guys are going to pass it around you. They're going to dangle it around you. And what, even if you block the pass, it's going to bounce off you and go right back on their stick because you're on the ground. You can't do anything. So I don't know what Kane... Was doing on the play, but he got postered. That was the hockey equivalent of getting postered on that Charlie McAvoy winner. Yeah, uh, Evander. Uh, I'm not sure if he needs to. Uh, he was gassed at the end of that mm -hmm. one. Um, he's been spending a lot of time selling Instagram follows for 500 bucks and, uh, <laughs> and personal videos for 1,200 dollars. Maybe time to just to focus on the task at hand. That was a great game. And as far as Matthews goes, like. Listen, we're all from Winnipeg. We're Jets people for a long, long time. We almost, it, it, it was like if you were a Jets fan, you had to be, uh, I don't want to say a Matthews hater, but somewhat anti-Matthews because it was Line A, it was Matthews. Line A was our guy. 
Um, even if you hate the Leafs, which I know many of you do, most of you probably do, you got to tip your cap to what Matthews is doing this season. He's on well in excess of a 70-goal pace, and he has turned into, you know, truly one of the great goal scorers of this generation, of the last couple decades, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, with some great company. And the way that he is scoring, I mean, he's taken his game to a whole nother level this year. Like, when you look at the MVP odds and the MVP conversation, it's been Kucherov, it's obviously it's McDavid, it is Nathan McKinnon, who I think has been the favorite for the most uh, part of the year. I would have to think that if Matthews gets over 70 goals, that there's going to be a lot of people that say, you know, he might not have the assists, but every other metric tells you that Austin Matthews is having a historic season right now. And uh, goals are what pays the bills in the National Hockey League right now. So um, I think even some people that were pretty negative on Austin for whatever reason for a long time sort of come around and you just have to appreciate the greatness that he's putting on right now, even if he plays for the hated Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I want to hate Austin Matthews. He plays for Toronto. They get all the airtime on the big networks. Uh, you know, we did line A versus Matthews. We talked about that and you know, we're trying to talk ourselves into Line A being a better player and the Jets being better than the Leafs. Remember that game when they faced off at uh, Canada Life Center and Line A scored the winner. But, I mean, in the last case, the what the fastest of 50 goals in the last 30 years. Austin Matthews, he just got 50 goals in 54 games. That's the third fastest in the last 30 years. Uh, only faster, Mario Lemieux, 50 goals in 50 games in 95-96. And Cam Neely. 44 games to 50 goals in 93-94. And then Yager, 95-96, also uh, did it, but he did it 59 games. So, I mean, you're up there with legends. Uh, you know, you look at, for Hart Trophy, if you want to look at primary points, Huss, uh, he's second in the league in primary points. That's just goals and first assist behind Kucherov. So I think there's certainly an argument that goal scoring, uh, he's way better than anyone else in the league right now at doing it and we're watching yeah historic. we talked about what his what was the line on him scoring yesterday like minus was something something stupid yeah to go to score yesterday i think it was like minus 125 or something like that i i bet him to score two and uh <laughs> and he, he he got the two last night it and, failed out the evening and the two he scored i mean he scored one bounced off his chest one from a crazy angle and He's got 51 goals on the year. The next closest is uh, Sam Reinhart at 39 goals. And then Kucherov. Which is also amazing. We were talking about that in the lock shop today. Like, you know, if you just said to an average fan, Matthews is running away with the goal scoring. He's got 51. Who's second? I don't think there's many fans that would say, oh, Sam Reinhart. No. Um, and he's a UFA at the end of the year. He's going to probably hit 50. Uh, a huge part of, I believe they're still the number one team in the East right now. Uh, uh, and he'll certainly have his opportunity to uh, to play in the playoffs and, you know, and did, you know, last year as well with that incredible run. Uh, they're one point back of uh, Boston. Or sorry, yeah, one point back of Boston with the game in hand. They're playing Carolina tonight, which is actually going to be a really uh, a really good one. So um, that, 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 that challenge for Florida to keep, Reinhardt in the mix is going to be something because they've got Kachuk at 9-5,
Barkoff at 10, Bob at 10, Ekblad at 7.5. Uh, guys like Montour coming up and needing raises. Uh, Bill Zito's definitely got some work, but, man, Reinhardt has had a monster season right now. But um, when you're talking goals right now, it's been Austin Matthews, and he has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, we will get to a busy night in the National Hockey League a little bit later on uh, when we uh, get into the cool bet lines a little later. But let's kind of focus in on the Winnipeg Jets, Reem. And um, the team was out there today at practice without Nikolai Ehlers. And uh, we'll find out a little bit more from Billick as well as Mike McIntyre and hear from Rick Bonus. But um, Kenny Weeb tweeted, he of the Winnipeg Free Press, that the Bonus said Ehlers is, quote, battling something. But he's expected to play tomorrow versus the Blackhawks. Nagging injury is how Bonus describes it. And uh, you know what? I'd say the story checks out a little bit because I don't think Ehlers has been at his uh, normal elite level over the last little while. And certainly that's been a conversation. What's up with the second line? Ehlers and Perfetti have not been producing. Um, but again, a bigger conversation. And again, if you missed it yesterday with Murat, and he had a great piece in The Athletic on somewhat of a double standard amongst Jets forwards, at least that was how he interpreted it. Um, and it got some great feedback, and it's continuing to get some great feedback now that it's on the YouTube channel. Yeah, I posted that separately on our channel. We've had some great, you know, before we get into today, just finishing up yesterday, yes, we did get some great feedback as well on the question of the day, if you were disappointed that, you know, there wasn't more, you know, more action taken against Ryan Hartman in that game against Minnesota. I said, look, the Jets are, that's not their game. They're focused on doing their job, and that's winning and getting two points. Uh, Eric disagreed in the comments, heard him on the scoreboard where it counts. And King Kenny says two points are what matters most. And T. Conapoli was the only one to chime in in all caps saying extremely disappointed. Some games, what was this his line? <laughs> extremely disappointed. Some things are more important than the two points. And I'm, I'm shortening his comment, but I did appreciate all the comments on that one, Huss. And as far as today and Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, you look, it's funny, you look at his points distribution per month, October, he was coming back from an injury, four points in nine games, and he started heating up November, seven points in 13 games, red hot December, 15 points in 13. Now it's kind of like a curve where he's slowing down here, January, nine points in 12, and February uh, is kind of back to where he was in October, two points in seven games, and for Rick Bonus to say he's dealing with something, I think that kind of checks out just based on how his production has looked, and he's really fallen off here in the last stretch, so you hope he can get right, but it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to cause him to miss games, but maybe he's not at 100%. Yeah, and, and, and you know, right now, um, listen, if he was dealing with something that needed time, he wouldn't be in the lineup. Um, and apparently, according to Bones, and again, we'll talk about this more as the show continues and hear from Bones, um, you know, if they, if they needed him some time out to heal, and I see some people saying that in the chat, I mean, he would do it. And, like, it's not like he's not still skating fast or anything. It just hasn't been, like, there hasn't been that connection on that line with the line mates. And, you know, there's been a few careless plays. There's been some strange decisions. There's been some giveaways um, that maybe weren't there when um, Ehlers was at the uh, the height of his game. 
Um, for the Winnipeg Jets to win and contend and be the Stanley Cup contender that many believe that they are, they need to have Ehlers playing his best, productive. And um, I, I know there's a lot of angles as to where the Jets will get the most out of him, and we certainly touched on that with Marat yesterday. Um, but that is something, and again, we'll be talking quite a bit about Ehlers, Perfetti, the Jets' top six, and how this team looks going into these games against uh, Chicago and in Arizona. Just back to those comments for one minute. And I had a couple conversations off air. I got a few texts from people after the show yesterday. And it's not like people are losing their minds. But but I will say this. If the Jets lost that game to Minnesota, but really uh, it exercised... Um, you know, themselves as a team in coming together against a team that had in the past at times seemingly sort of pushed them around, I wouldn't have had an issue with it. And it listen, I I do agree. The thing that's most devastating in Minnesota is losing that game. So they got one over on them in that way. I just, I will admit, I expected there to be at least something to Ryan Hartman, whether someone just went and challenged him to a fight, give him the business after a whistle or two. Um, but that just seemed to not be there. And I know there's some people, and Tequan Apollo is a perfect example, that thinks that that doesn't send a great message to maybe the rest of the league when, you know, you know what happens come playoff time. We've seen what the Vegas Golden Knights have done to this team. We saw what the Vegas Golden Knights did and tried to do to the Jets at the beginning of this season. So I, I certainly would not have thought it was a bad. It would have been a bad message to send that they weren't going to take that garbage. Um, and who knows? Maybe something will happen later on in the year. I, the the game was weird in that the Jets were up a couple goals, and I think to their credit, they didn't do anything stupid that put Minnesota on the power play and allowed them to get back in because that power play was hot and that team was scoring goals at a crazy clip. And then the minute you thought that that might happen in the third period, after the Jets got those two quick goals, very quickly Minnesota scored two, and the game was right back tight. So maybe it was this situation, um, but it was interesting to hear from a bunch of different people with uh, very different opinions on what did and what didn't happen on the 20th when the Minnesota Wild finally came back and these teams saw each other again. Yeah, we were looking forward to this game, thought something would happen, and... I mean, there's been a lot of BS from Minnesota over the years. Uh, Cole Perfetti getting slashed in the face. Nikolai Ehlers taking a cheap hit from Hartman. Uh, Marcus Foligno got suspended for kneeing Adam Lowry, who was down after a fight. Like, really dumb stuff. And you thought, okay, this is a time for the Jets to show them, hey, you can't push us around. And what happened was they got out to a lead. And, you know, they're trying to protect the lead. And... And they're trying to prevent the comeback. They're just too focused on playing, you know, the actual game and to get involved with that kind of BS. And here's, uh, I'll just expand on Tico Nepali's comment in our comment section on uh, yesterday's show. Extremely disappointed. Couple last years of wild bullying. Last night, especially with the wild missing their scrappers, he's referring to Marcus Felino and Patrick Maloon, was the night, now he takes it a bit extreme. He says, this was the night to have dressed Jeffrey VL of Moose. And yes, Targeted Hartman in a clean way. 
Uh, no stick infractions, but yes, a jump in and a beat down. Tico and Paulie a little off the rails. He said, but but it was the night to send a message to the Wild and the league that the Jets will not be bullied. Some things are more important than the two points. I think they sent a message that, hey, they are got more stuff you know, that they care about, but it just was such BS to slash a guy in the face. Such BS for that, for that cheap shot that knocked out Ehlers for the playoffs. And I don't I you would have liked to see something, but I don't know. Do you want to get into this eye for an eye game? That's not the Jets game. Their Jets game this year is winning, and they did that. And their Jets their game this year is being for you know, going for a division title. Uh what I've liked is three and oh against the wild. And being three and oh yeah, and being three and oh against the wild. So I don't know. They're not gonna get to that level, and I kinda I kinda respect that, but also you do want to see like Hartman get like face washed or something like well, do, well, listen, make his life miserable. Do you can do yeah. stuff within within the rules that's not involved to stick to the face. No, no, you're right, and and you know, and, and I maintain, like I'm not suggesting that the Jets should resort to the cheap bullshit that the Minnesota Wild did yeah. against the Winnipeg Jets in that game. Like I'm not saying that you know, um, you know, who, you know, one of the fourth liners should have gone and you know, high stick Marco Rossi in the grill. Um, but uh, I mean, to be frank, I was expecting something to happen to Hartman or some sort of response to Hartman in the first game on the 30th in Winnipeg because of the cheap shot he had on Ehlers last year that cost him the rest of the regular season and all but one playoff game. So like, as I said, I'm not talking about anybody else. But that is a guy that if you are, I think, have any any connection to the Winnipeg Jets, whether you were a fan, a player working in the office, you feel that, you know, you as a team owed that guy something and some sort of a statement. And I will definitely stand by what I said yesterday. If the roles were reversed and it had been the Jets, you know, one of their players, Adam Lowry or whoever had... Uh, you know, high stick Rossi off a of face off and had basically said that he did it on purpose and it was for all that other stuff. There is zero chance that that would not have been addressed by a team like Minnesota. That is just the way that they play. So again, we're not saying that the Jets need to completely change their way, but I think that they have become, and Rick Bonus has said it all along. I mean, think back, you come at one of us, you come at all of us. Um, so it was... It was a little surprising that there wasn't a little bit more. I know there's one more game against these against that team later on this season, and I know the Jets are worried about much more important things like first place in the Central Division, while the Wild are hoping to have a sniff of getting into a wild card spot. Um, but I wasn't surprised, as I said, with some of the feedback that we got from people, and uh, certainly just talking about it right now is giving us plenty more to talk about uh, and get to in the uh, in in the chat. You know what? This is uh, I was going to kind of get into some of these trade targets for the why not question of the day, but let me put it out to you right now. Um and I guess we sort of did this yesterday, but maybe in a different way. Um why not question of the day for not Autocorp but Waverly and McGilvery. Um you know, were you disappointed that there was not in particular to Ryan Hartman somebody or a number of guys stepping up and uh, making it very clear that the garbage that was perpetrated on Cole Perfetti, who had nothing to do with any of that in that game on New Year's Eve, 
um, you know, w- that it wasn't addressed, shall we say, on uh, um, on uh, Tuesday night over at um, uh, at the Canada Life Centre. Um, Remo, Billick's going to join us in a few minutes, and we will get to some of that. And I know we'll kind of revisit a few of these topics. Ehlers' status. By the way, Alex, I follow moving into uh, the power play spot today in practice. But again, Bones saying it is likely they are hopeful that Ehlers will be playing tomorrow. They expect him to play. Gave him a day off right now. Um, one other thing that is happening is that we're getting we're getting closer and closer to the March 8 deadline, but I think that Lindholm trade and the Monaghan trade to the Jets, which has looked great over the past week, um, has taken a little bit of a steam out of a lot of trade talk and a lot of trade conversation around the league. That being said, Frank's back with another trade bait board, and oh, what do we know? Kelly McCrimmon said yesterday Mark Stone could be out, quote, for a while, And now there's talk of, guess who, the Vegas Golden Knights weaponizing LTIR space. And now maybe they're a player at the deadline. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, it's strange. We saw Jack Eichel go on LTIR earlier this week. And here come everyone. Oh, Vegas, they're at it again. And now Mark Stone, uh, he's out. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Sinbin Vegas reporting March is so battling injuries could keep him out tonight. So we'll see what happens with Vegas. They're pretty sneaky. Uh, and I would, you know, I would dismiss it before saying, you know what, it was kind of a coincidence with the Patrick Kane thing and Kucherov being injured and coming back. But if teams are using this as a loophole to add, add up at the deadline, you gotta, you gotta do something here. This is a trend. This becomes a trend, and you don't want to see that. As far as the trade deadline, March eight, I think the Jets and Vancouver did it right. You know, getting it on early. And making their moves, you're seeing Monaghan already making an impact. It was so clear that the Jets needed a, another center with Shifley out. And Monaghan was one of the best ones available. And he also had a pretty reasonable salary. And you're just looking at the trade targets. Frank's list, Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev are 1-2. And Calgary's kind of been hanging around. I think they're waiting to see, well, are we in? Are we out? Can our team finally get it together and put on a win streak? And they can't. They're too inconsistent. So I expect them to do some moves. And... You know, Jake Gensel comes in at number three, Huss, and Pittsburgh's in a tough spot where they have all these old players, and you say, okay, who is your core four guys? For them, sign long-term, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson, and those guys are getting old, and uh, Jake Gensel, he's a pretty good player. He's got 52 points in 50 games, but he's 29 years old, and he's going to might get a raise here at uh, $6 million, So, and they're not in the playoffs. They need to figure out how... They're going to try to get back there and maybe become a cap casualty. So what happens with Jake Gensel? Is he the winger us that ends up in in Vegas? Could you imagine imagine that? But uh, those are the top three names right now on the on the trade board. So we'll have to see what happens. Well, what speaking happens of there. Vegas, I mean, Riley Smith, who was a huge part of that organization up until winning the cup last year, was a cap casualty so they could keep Barbashev. He got traded for a pick to Pittsburgh. They took on the entire salary. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Riley Smith ended up going back to Vegas and Pittsburgh eating part of the salary so that he was able to uh, get onto the Vegas Golden Knights lineup. That is a player that they uh, that they know as well. I mean, as far as that list, um, you know, Cal- Calgary is the Winnipeg of uh, last year um, where... 
PLD was on the list. Well, basically, there were all sorts of Winnipeg Jets on the list, uh, and a bunch of them right at the top. But as you mentioned, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, uh, both pending UFAs, one, two on the list. Gensel, as you mentioned, is number three. Uh, you've got uh, Adam Henrique, Jake Allen, Sean Walker from uh, the uh, Defense Corps of the Blue Line or on the right side. He's got a lot of, uh, lot of talk. Uh, the Riley Smith, who I just mentioned, is at eight. Um, and then there's Jacob Markstrom as well at number 10. And much like last year where all those guys were on the list and not a lot of ended up happening, the Jets ended up being buyers and getting Vlad Demetstikov and getting Nito Niederreiter and making the playoffs. Um, the Calgary Flames, as you mentioned, are just sort of right now in limbo. Um, you know, they had a nice win against Winnipeg. That was after two really ugly losses. I think the next week or two is going to let it play out. But with where Calgary is and having already traded Elias Lindholm, I don't really think that even a six or seven game winning streak that put them into a wild card spot would prevent Craig Conroy from pulling the trigger on a deal that he thinks significantly improves his team in the long run uh, because it ain't about this year for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and it's crazy how it's uh, it's gone here. You look at Calgary the last couple of years. You know, they had, you thought Brad Trillivan kind of salvaged it when Kachuk and Goodrow walked out the door with the Huberto trade, but that trade's looked like, a, and the signing has looked like a disaster. The Nazem Kadri, you know, trade signing, um, he seems to be a bit overpaid. So those guys, you know, they thought they were in a solid team in Calgary, and they're kind of, I don't think they're going for a full rebuild, but they have a good opportunity here to try to get some picks back, maybe flip those picks for players. They now got uh, two first-round picks this year. Can they get another one for Hannafin? What are they going to get for Chris Tanev as well? So Calgary is certainly in an intriguing team uh, going forward. And I did like the Hubert, not the Hubert, the um, uh, Lindholm trade because they got Kuzmenko, who's an NHL player, and they got him... Uh, for next year as well. So we'll see what, what they try to do uh, you know, going forward. But that's a team to watch, and I agree. They're not going to make the playoffs. And you know, time to trade those guys and get what you can and you know, try, try to get at it again next year. Um, you know what? Just uh, when Billick's going to jump on with us, one other thing, we got some really nice feedback during the show yesterday as well as after the show was on our conversation with Norva Riddell from, uh, from True North on uh, the Jets ticket campaign. Um, that's just launched in the last couple days. Um, if you missed it, pop back and, and check it out. I mean, it's very clear that, you know, the people involved behind the scenes in the organization have been spending countless hours connecting with season ticket holders, connecting with former season ticket holders, package holders, um, because I think everyone realizes what needs to happen, and that is getting this team back to a healthy season ticket base, of 13,000, which is where the where it was established. Um, if you missed it, though, right now, it's a great opportunity for many of you I know that have been thinking about getting back in with the club, especially after this great season that the team has had. Um, the We're All In campaign is underway. Go to winnipegjets.com and find out more. Um, but with playoff ex- playoffs expected here in Winnipeg, and certainly it would take a miracle not for that to happen at this point, a uh, miracle in the wrong way. Um, you have the opportunity to put a deposit down for a package for next season and get priority access to Stanley Cup playoff ticket packages and pre-sales, which um, is something that normally 
a huge benefit for season ticket holders and package holders uh, as well. So um, go to winnipegjets.com slash deposit. You can click in. You'll see all the details on tickets for next season, the different packages. And as I mentioned yesterday, whether it's through the Discord, whether it's through Twitter or email, whether it's through the chat, um, would love to see some WSTers maybe come together as share partners in season tickets. I always say season tickets is the best way. If you have the opportunity to get in a season ticket, you always get the best seats, you get the max benefits, you get the 25% discount on beers and whatnot at games. Um, and it's always fun getting together with the gang and picking your seats at the start of the year. And obviously you have some people that if something comes up, you can trade a game with every now and then. So let us know or let other people in the chat know and maybe we can uh, help get a few of uh, our listeners together and uh, see them a little more often down at Canada Life Centre and help that team get back to where they need to be at 13,000 season tickets or equivalent. So that is there right now, winnipegjets.com slash tickets uh, slash deposits, I should say. And uh, thanks again, Norva, for jumping on tomorrow. Um, we are fired up. I guess it's a week today. We're going to be down with the Canadian club crew the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival and the WS Tears at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame for our special whiskey tasting event and uh, watching the Jets and the Dallas Stars. Cannot wait for that. Of course, Canadian Club and Beam Suntory, big sponsors of the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival and our partners in this event. Uh, we're going to be speaking with a couple of the ambassadors of Canadian Club telling us about uh, how it's all made and uh, trying some great, great whiskeys while hopefully watching the Jets win a big divisional game. Uh, in the meantime, we'll look forward to seeing you all next Thursday that we're able to get tickets. And uh, otherwise, pick up Canadian Club next time you're at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And remember, always drink responsibly. Um, Got to shout out our pals over at Manitoba Battery right now, getting ready to open up their second location on Dover Court. In the south side of the city, you know Manitoba Battery is the go-to place for batteries of all makes, models, and sizes. The one consistent thing is that it's the best price in town, beating the pants off the big box stores for all of your battery needs. And even better yet, for any purchase over 60 bucks, Donnie and the staff will deliver it to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter it's that easy so while they open up and we'll let you know about grand opening specials at the dover court location for all your battery needs manitobabattery.com 204-783-8787 and of course you can visit them at their current original location at 1026 logan avenue and uh just about time for me, I think, to head back to our friends at Modern Man for a little touch-up on the dome. Um, guys, if you need a great new look, Modern Man is there for you with eight locations in the city of Winnipeg, including their two newest locations, standalone locations on Pemina Highway and on Plessy Road. Modern Man has you covered, fellas, with great haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Amazing uh, collection of products as well. To keep you looking good, make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. All right, Mike McIntyre coming up a little later on. Let's get Scott Billick in here and keep the Jets conversation going on right now. Billick, what's up, buddy? How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. How's, how are you guys doing? I'm uh, the rink this morning, so uh, yeah. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm uh, 
you know, it's funny. There, there were prop bets on uh, when I would bring a Chiefs reference in. And uh, I am already seeing that we're um, – I'm already seeing that, uh, you know, we were talking about Austin Matthews earlier on and comparing that to Patrick Mahomes. I'll just tell you all in the chat. There's nobody in the NHL that can be compared to Patrick Mahomes. Especially um, on the Leafs. For us. obvious reasons. Well, yes, exactly. When you're I mean, talking about now. rings and whatnot, it, yeah, certainly exactly. isn't, uh, it certainly isn't there. Uh, but bring it back to the Jets. Um, and again, we'll have, hopefully we'll have Bones uh, in between Scott and Mike uh, just, you know, in 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so uh, here on the program. Um, but before we kind of dive into where the team is at, heading on this quick one-game road trip before coming back, Scott, fill us in on this morning and uh, what we heard or uh, well, where was Nikolai Ehlers? Yeah. What did they have to say about that? And uh, a little bit of a practice update, if you would. Yeah, so Nikolai Ehlers... Um undisclosed nagging injury um, that he's had for a while now that I guess he's been nursing. Um, so they'll see what happens tomorrow in Chicago when they get there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think they're trying to make sure they stay ahead of it. Uh, same sort of thing that we saw in training camp with his, with his neck injury um, and whatever else that was going on there with him there. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're just trying to, uh, make sure it doesn't turn into something worse. Obviously, we saw last season what happened to Ehlers and how many games he missed. I believe it was 38 in total um, by the time uh, when it came to his 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 groin injury and the and and the hernia and all that. So yeah, nothing nothing. It doesn't sound anything to borrow a phrase from Paul Maurice sinister. Doesn't doesn't sound like there's anything sinister there. But um, just keeping them off the ice for for the obvious. You know, not trying to aggravate it further. Um, Speaking then, yeah. of sinister, was there yeah. any mention of malaise? Because there has <laughs> no. been a little bit of malaise, I would say, lately. Yeah, I mean, no. Um, I, I just think, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the first thing people thought was, well, I don't know what people thought. I mean, I, you know, people, I got, I got a message, is he getting traded? I'm like, ah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that. But it, it's been a tough go, I think, for, for two-thirds of that second line, obviously. You look at... You know Sean Monahan, and and you know to be fair, the line's been the line's been all right. It hasn't been horrible, but they aren't scoring, and and a lot of the production that we're seeing, even five on five production it, with this team in general, they're scoring more. But a lot of it's because they've scored six goals on their last eleven power plays. Us, right? And I do think you owe me a bit of a uh, I don't know a shout out or an apology or something like that for. He's telling me that I wasn't going to score. Remember for you predicting said? for predicting that. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and listen, they haven't just scored to no, your I mean, credit. They have absolutely exploded. And, yeah. <laughs> and again, we can kind of get into more of the Monaghan effect and what that right. has had on the power play as of late, because he is a huge, huge part of it. Um, yeah. But I am sort of with you sooner or later, it was going to come around the players that they're rolling out there with the man advantage. You're just too good yeah. to be, as ineffective as they were for so long. And sometimes it just takes one to go in. That's but all it took. I, I, yeah. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I apologize to whoever dropped this stat, but I believe the six goals and 11 power plays is the best three-game stretch this team has had maybe since the team came here from Atlanta, if not like in the last nine seasons. I believe so, yes. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to... I'd have to look back, but you're right. Uh, we were talking about this the other day in the press box, just the way that they've, and I don't think they've scored two. And it's like, because they had two in each game, right? And and so 
yeah, there's something weird with that. But it is, it's been a great stretch. And and it's all it started with the puck getting down low to Gabe Velarde and just the kind of little backhand flick into the net, right? And it was just, you know, he said it himself. He's like, you know, we hadn't been scoring. We're just trying to get something done. But then you see it. You saw that. And then all of a sudden you get the Monaghan tic-tac-toe. And then from there it just it goes off, right? And then Monaghan's in it. I wrote about this a little bit yesterday, but I think that the Monaghan effect is huge. Having him in that bumper position has been really big for this this Jets team because it's now keeping – it just forces the offense to stay honest, right? And if they cheat, you start creating problems for yourself, because then if you cheat, you open up, uh, you open up Velarde down low. And if you, sorry, if you cheat towards Monahan, you open up Velarde down low. If you cheat towards Velarde, you open up Monahan, and then you also then open up Kyle Connor on the other side. You can bring it back to the top with Morrissey. I think there's a lot that Monahan has allowed to do, and he's kind of shifty in there he moves up and down he tries to find the ice and he and you can see by watching it how quickly that Shifley can get him the puck and get that shot off and just going back to the thing uh it's the two goal stretch three games in a row first time since February 2012 shout out to Ken Weebu sent me a text during this so we know Kenny's watching thank you Weaver. Um, he's on it yeah so he's got it but yeah so I mean it's 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 been good it's been it's worked well and and you're right I mean I think it goes back to what we all sort of knew it was that there's so much talent that you can't you can't keep it at bay for that long, right? I mean, you can only keep a lion cage for so long, and eventually it was going to come out, and it came out. So they got the scoring going. Um, I think it's helped. I think it's bled a little bit into their five-on-five. Five. I think we saw that um, against Vancouver a little bit. I mean, Calgary, uh, I think uh, Adam Lowry called today uh, a bit of a write-off or a forget-about game, um, but then come back against the Minnesota Wild, and it helped them there too. So I think it's just – it's. They're not bleeding points from it anymore, Huss. I mean, if we go back a month, we were talking about how much, you know, they're losing points and, and they're, it's costing them games. Um, I would argue that it helped win them that Vancouver game. I think, uh, you know, I think you can make the same argument um, about the Minnesota game as well because it just, it, it helped them keep it going, right? You get the five-on-five goals, you, you start the game off with the power play goal. Like, it, it just, it, it starts going. Um, and then it snows balls from there, so... Okay, can yeah, we can we team. can we it's put that enough. same theory <laughs> that <laughs> it's bound to turn around with the talent on the ice yeah. to the Ealers Monahan Perfetti line that we did to the power play through yeah. those struggles because I think you can make some comparisons between the two that it doesn't make uh, that it doesn't make sense and I know there's been a lot of talk about who should be on what line I mean, as I pointed out yesterday on the program, I'm here for all those conversations, but at a certain point, you have to give the coach a reason to be moving you up in the lineup as opposed to down in the lineup. And for all the permutations and the history and what happened two or three months ago, yep. I, I think we can honestly say that, you know, in particular through the recent struggles of Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers, there hasn't been a lot of evidence that um, that those guys were needing more of an opportunity up on that top line just based on recent play. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, Huss, like we know a couple things about this team. We know that Mike or Mark and Connor have a long history of playing together. That plays a big role in this, right? I think there's a lot of familiarity there. And we're also waiting to sort of see, like, you know, Rick Bonus has talked a lot about waiting to have Kyle Connor Gabe Velarde and Shifley together on the power play. 
Well, that also extends to the top line, right? Because it's the same amount of time that they've missed on on both, right? And so I think they're trying to figure that out too. Has it been great analytically? No, but at the same time, it's hard to make an argument that you would put uh, Kyle Connor, a prolific goal scorer, one of the guys, you, you look at the stats, Huss, and he's right up there with all the guys from when he came in the league 2017-18. He's up there with the Pasternaks and the Austin Matthews and McDavid in terms of just pure goal scoring. He's an elite scoring talent that belongs on the top line. There's a little bit more leash, I think, there for him as well, right? I mean, I think, I mean, we asked, I asked Rick Bonus about that a little bit today, just kind of, kind of sidebar here, but like, you know, is there more leash for a Kyle Connor turnover than there would be for a Nikolai Ehlers turnover? Um, he said no, um, but he also said that you know Ehlers is a part of the 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 contingent there that has a little bit more leash. Not entirely sure that we that's always reflected in the ice time. I think where the argument comes for having Ehlers on the top line, and we've talked about this before, is just we we looked at that sample size that we had back in December when Kyle Connor went down and, and Ehlers, and they went on a, a, a really a, incredible run, right? And then you look at Ehlers this year with Mark Shifley, and he's had better time with Mark than anybody else. But, I mean, at the same time, Nikolai Ehlers also needs to start making it work on the second line too, right? He is a line driver. I had a good, good discussion. We'll call it a discussion with Ken Weeb this morning. But he's he was right too on part of it. it, it it's, it's the fact that Ehlers is viewed as a play driver but he can't just be a play driver on the top line when he when that's where he wants to play. Sometimes he's got to be a play driver on the second line. And right now, with a struggling Cole Perfetti there, um, it, it maybe even the emphasis is even more. But I also think too, at the same time, we need to see a little more kind of chemistry, a little more um, time, I guess, for the second line to sort of figure it out. I think the same sort of thing would apply, I think, to the power play when we, you know. You get Monaghan in there, but you're still trying to figure it out, right? You're trying to figure out how Monaghan works, where he is. They've sort of, I think, in my opinion, we've seen now over the last three games, they've sorted out that there is that familiarity. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's it, – it's been a tough time for Cole, and I think that's not the easiest thing that they're, they're trying to manage it, right? But Cole doesn't belong on a fourth line in the NHL. He's not going to play a checking role in the NHL, so it kind of just leaves him there. Um, and then Ehlers isn't going to play on the top line right now, even though he could. And, and Rick Bonus has pointed out in the past that they can that's an option for them and they can go to it. But, yeah, I mean, I sometimes you just got to figure it out as a line, right? And I think there's time for them to do that, um, especially if the power play starts clicking. But as we've seen with Rick Bonus too, he's only willing to give so much time. But he's just limited in his options right now, right? Because the only thing you can really do is move Ehlers up, move Velarde down, or move Connor down, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember the type of game it is, but you, you're still trying to find, it's like you keep moving the pieces around and you're still trying to find the one that kind of fits and it's just not there for... So I'm curious, and I wrote about this yesterday as well, I wonder if they start looking for a middle six winger that could play on that second line. I just wonder if we're seeing here a little bit of evolution in this team, or at least where this team needs to go during the trade deadline, because I'm not, I'm not so much sure they need to bolster the defense as much as you need your second line producing in the playoffs. What's the issue with it right now? And how do you sort of fix well, that? Here's, going the, here's the follow up from that. Like, let's say that yeah. that happened and let's say that, you know, a guy came in 
you know, I mean, I'll just throw out a guy. Uh, I mean, not that it's going to happen, but like Jake Gensel shows up and he's yeah. going to be playing on that second line. Where does that leave Cole Perfetti? Because well, it's not think, Nikolai Ehlers yeah. that's moving down. And I think at that point you can you can understand why Cole Perfetti would then be a fourth liner right now, especially when it comes to the playoffs, right? I don't know if it's going to go over too well with Cole, but it, I mean, it, it shouldn't go over too well with him either, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you feel like you can win a Stanley Cup here or compete for a Stanley Cup here, I think, you know, you have a young 20, 21-year-old right now who may or may not be ready for that stage in terms of being able to consistently produce, right? Cole Perfetti has a lot of great attributes about him. His vision, his defensive play can be really good at times, um, and he can be strong in the offensive zone. But we're still waiting, I think, for that that consistency from who is effectively is a sophomore year player, right? A guy who has hasn't played a full 82-game schedule yet. And I talked to Cole uh, several weeks ago about this, but, I mean, he's still learning, right? I mean, he knows that he hasn't played a full 82 game schedule and, and and there's unknowns, right? I mean, I saw this on, on Twitter today or yesterday. Um, you know, we're sort of in uncharted waters with Cole Perfetti right now. This is the most games he's ever played in the NHL at, at this point. And so we don't know how he's going to handle the rigors of a season and the way that Rick bonus wants this team to play a hockey game is, and Adam Lowry said it, admitted it today. It was said it, it, it it's a tough way to play hockey. Um, but it's, it's a rewarding way to play hockey. It's a dominant way to play hockey when it's at its best. Um, and they need, potentially, another player in that middle six. And I would say probably top six, only because what we've seen with Rick Bonus is he he's not interested, and he said it again today, he's not really interested in breaking up that third line, right? It, he called it again, once again today, dominant. And not dominant maybe in the sense of producing, but dominant in the sense that he, he feels comfortable pulling them out after they score a goal, putting them out after they concede a goal, um, putting them out, you know, when they need to shut down the other team's top lines. So, yeah, yeah the I, Minnesota I think, game. The Minnesota game is the perfect example of that. I 100%. mean, did that normally? I mean, you look at you know the line uh, metrics and the share. Neither of the top two lines for Winnipeg were very yeah. high, but you looked at those guys that just scored hat tricks and had six point games. Yeah. I mean, they were essentially. Um, chasing Adam Lowry's line uh, throughout. Yeah. L- let me say this about Cole, though. Well, and I, I, I get it. He's in a slump right now. Yeah. The NHL regular season is incredibly long, and even the best players in the National Hockey League go through slumps. Yeah. A- and I would say that this time of the year is a time uh, that many of them do exactly that. I would also point out, to defend Cole Perfetti, is that we have been talking about a team that has been a Stanley Cup contender, that has been rolling over teams, that have been dominating at five-on-five. He has been a big part of that. And I know people will say, oh, he should play two more minutes or whatever. The bottom line is it's a team game. They've been winning, and it's not like he's been in the press box watching this. So we know that that there's better from Cole. And, and, And Nikolai Ehlers as well. I mean, a very different situation, though, because he's a more veteran player, he has far more experience. He's done more, and I think is a more dynamic player. But going into these next two games against Chicago, against Phoenix, as much as these games sort of do make me nervous, yeah. um, 
for obvious reasons, just, you know, history and, you know, there's no easy games in the NHL. Yep. I would, I would suggest and argue that one of these two games would be a perfect time for these guys to sort of get their mojo back, get a few good things happening because much like the power play, I sort of don't think that they're that far off having a good game or two and then being back to where they were is a big, big part of a team that was winning consistently and battling for first place. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when, when Cole Perfetti was putting up, you know, multi-point games quite consistently. Right. And, and you're right. I I think there is part of that. And then Rick bonus was asked about sort of motivation at this time of the year, right? The jets are comfortably in the top three in the division. That's likely not going to change. Hitting, I think they have a 10-point lead right now on, on fourth place. They're, what, three points out of top spot right now. Like, I, I don't think there's too much concern that they're going to, um, that they have to worry about anybody kind of catching them. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think, I mean, Rick also said today, you know, this is the time of the season where guys get tired, right? Like, there, there's a little bit of fatigue that sets in. Um, and you know, that's understandable. And, and I think it's understandable also with the way that, that, that Rick, um, you know, demands his team to play the game. And I, you know, I, I'm not, and I, this is I, just to clarify, I'm not writing off Cole Perfetti at all. I, I just, I wonder if, and we see this with other teams when you have a young guy who, who may or may not be performing consistently and, and you have a chance to win. Sometimes those guys take a, you know, a back seat. Um, and that's the place you sort of target it at the deadline, right? Um, I, I think Cole Perfetti, if he moved down to the fourth line, offers something that fourth line may not have right now. Um, at the same time, you know, and, and I think he's played well at times with Vladimir Mestikov too. Um, so, so there's that there. But, I, you know, then, then what happens? So who, who are you sitting there? Is it Baron or is it Ayafalo? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we saw today in practice with either's out, Ayafalo's on that second line. So. It's interesting, and I'm not not saying either that they're going to target a top line right wing, uh, a right winger, or well, it might be a right winger because you know they don't like playing Cole Perhetti on the right, and if they got a right winger, they'd be able to kind of maybe have a little more flexibility with some of the stuff that they want to do. But yeah, I mean, I just I, I wonder if this is sort of you know part of the part of the process here is sorting to you know while you're watching your team go through the ebbs and flows of the season is trying to sort out what exactly they need going into the playoffs, right? Um, obviously, took care of probably you know the biggest thing on that list by, by getting Sean Monaghan. And the impact that he's had has been, um, you know, it, it's hard to understate, right? I mean, he's been very good and is impactful in all, all situations on the ice. I, I just do wonder if they might be looking for, you know, Jake Gensel's probably out of the reach in terms of whatever, and I, I know you're just throwing it out there. I've thought about Jake Gensel too at times. Um, but, you know, just somebody that is a little more consistent in scoring because when it comes to playoff time, you need you need two, three lines scoring, right? And they they can't be – we've seen this in, in the past, and, and and it's been evident when Mark Scheife has gone down in the playoffs how, how much the offense dries up on this team. I think, yeah, they need to have a potent second line that they can depend on. And maybe there's somewhere in there you find a guy that you think that will match up well and play well with, with Nikolai Ehlers too. I think part of the thing that you, you might see on that second line right now is that Nikolai Ehlers is very fast, also sometimes unpredictable in what he does. But Cole Perfetti's not that fast. And so it, it's 
yeah, I, I sometimes wonder if it's just not the right combination of players there either. Um, but, you know, sometimes you got to make it work, or if you can't make it work, yeah, I wonder what March 8th brings for this team. Well, and, and I mean, you know, we've also got the – and this is back to the lines. Um, and this is why I just think, and especially, and maybe it makes a little bit more sense that Ehlers hasn't been 100%, I mean, however they characterized it today. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I really do believe that, you know, the, and again, we can talk about pros and cons from switching Connor and Ehlers with that top line. You also have to think about the second line when you make that when you make that decision. And you know, I know some people were asking, but has Ehlers driven a line? I mean, Ehlers absolutely has, and I think he's a better driver of a line than Kyle Connor is, despite the fact that Kyle Connor is such a brilliant goal scorer and finisher. Um, right. You know, the possession that you have when Ehlers is on, the ability to gain zone entries. I mean, all of those things are important, and. If you've got Adam Lowry's line playing the way they are against top competition, you know the top line is going to be getting their fair share of top line minutes against opponents as well as checking lines. There's that gap there for line two that if they are on, they can really take advantage of it. And at times this year, we have have certainly seen it. So um, these next couple games are going to be really interesting in the fact that, you know, we are at a point in the season where, Teams are ramping up and getting ready for the playoffs. And there is, of course, yeah. probably some nerves in and around that deadline. Um, but I think our conversations as we get ready for that St. Louis game next Tuesday after Chicago and Arizona, um, I think they could be significantly different depending on what we see over the next 120 minutes of hockey um, because this might be a perfect time maybe to get uh, some of the guys that have been struggling a little bit going. Um, we said it last week the team just needed to score a goal. It had yeah. seven and seven games. The goals are coming right yeah. now, but I know the focus of bones just to, to finish up is, you know, yeah, it's great that we're scoring goals, but Calgary and at long stretches of the Minnesota game, this team did not look like the team that was holding it down defensively like they had before. And that's probably the number one priority for Rick. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's exactly it. Right. I mean, I think Rick bonus wants to see this team just get back to, the five-on-five play that was helping them win games when the power play was. Like, it's so funny, right? Like, you know, for a long portion of this season, we were talking about, you know, if this power play gets going, man, what's the next level? Like, that's the next level for this team, and where does that take them? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about, wow, the power play is, you know, so going so hot right now, but then the five-on-five play has kind of allowed other teams to kind of stick around or and or in Calgary well, not only just stick around, but, you know, score five unanswered to win a game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there is that. Uh, just to go back to Cole for a second, I think one of the things, I think more than anything, if Cole Ferfetti scored a goal right now, like we talk about, you know, you talk about a guy like Adam Lowry, who is kind of the epitome of uh, the most level-headed, you know, uh, stoic. Like, it, it, and when, it, when, when crap hits the fan house, not much really changes with Adam Lowry. but when you have a young player who probably isn't feeling the greatest about his game right now and just can't figure out, can't find the back of the net, like a goal does wonders for a guy like that. But going another game without a goal also just kind of gets him further into the hole, right? And that's that's part of being a young player in the league. You just haven't maybe learned, and a lot of them go through this, you just haven't learned to deal with the ebbs and flows in the same way as a veteran guy. When I was talking to Cole, he sort of pointed it out. He's like, yeah, like guys like Mark and Adam can deal with this a lot better than, you know, a guy that hasn't played, you know, 
seven, 800 games in the league already. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's it. Right. I think this team is starting to feel better about itself, but there's still some things, you know, last few games where they've kind of gotten away from it five on five. And, and, you know, I, I think once they sort of put it together in the right way, and I think even the Minnesota game though, was a good example of, this team at least catching itself, right? Because the second wasn't good, but the third period was much better. And one of the things this Jets team has really done well most of this season is if they do have a bad period, they have a good one. They, they followed up with a good one, and they don't let it kind of linger. And we saw that linger in Calgary, right? It just it was an off day or whatever. The good news was for you know for the team and for fans is that is that they they caught themselves in that after that second period they they, they figured it out and they righted. They raided the ship and won a hockey game. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting time for the team. It's just part of the story of how this this team is kind of yeah evolving and 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 kind of working through some of uh, you know some of the problems that it has. Well, big opportunity going on the road to Chicago and yeah. coming back with a team that hasn't won in forever in the Coyotes. In that um, you know you uh, you know you would presume that there is the opportunity to right the ship and get back to doing the things that have made you successful. Um, but you have to do it. And uh, yeah. if it doesn't happen, it's even more glaring if you don't get the results. Scotty, we'll look yeah. forward to more of your Jets coverage in uh, the Winnipeg Sun and talk to you next week. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Um, Mike McIntyre is coming up in just a second. And you know what? We'll have Bones after um, <clears throat> after Mike. And we've got a bunch of clips that uh, Reams has been cutting while uh, we were talking to Scott. But I just want to play one quick clip from Adam Lowry because uh, he is the conscience of this team. He is the captain of this team. And uh, he spoke after practice today on just getting away from their strong five-on-five play. Uh, let's play this from Adam Lowry and then bring in Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Yeah, I think we, we can agree the five-on-five. Five. Uh, especially the last two, it hasn't been you know, what we expect out of ourselves. I, I think... We were a lot better in the third period against Mini, and same with the first period. I think it was a little lackadaisical second period, just puck management, uncharacteristic turnovers, you know, some bad changes by us, and, and things like that that really led to the opportunities that they got. And, um, same with Calgary. Calgary, you know, our, our gap, we were a little slow. We weren't playing that high-pressure game that, you know, we, we expect of ourselves. And, you know, when we were really defending well, we're taking away a lot of time, taking a lot, away a lot of space, really good sorts on the rush there there's not a lot of time coming through the neutral zone and we kind of got away from that and so you know we've watched some video and i i think moving forward we, we can expect to get back to that level that we had been at for you know the, the longest time it's you know, it's tough playing that way but it that's the commitment to our structure that's the commitment we've made and you know that's what we expect out of this group and you know we're, we're going to strive for perfection and all you know, Bones mentioned it's an imperfect game and there's going to be mistakes and things like that and other teams are going to get chances, but it's all about how many chances you can minimize, how many chances you're not giving away for free. And, um, you know, that's going to be a continue uh, to be a work in progress for us and that's going to be a challenge for us tomorrow against Chicago. All right, there's the captain. We'll have the uh, coach a little bit later on. And, hey, a big thanks to Stan Scott for the very generous super chat. Thanks, Stan. Uh, Stan says, I think it's a tricky balance to stay as defensive when you are trying to get the offense going. Also, it's hard to stay consistent for 82 games. Do any teams really do that? Uh, some do better than others, Stan. And the Jets have been great at that for the most part this year. But uh, I think it's an astute point that, you know, expecting that 82 straight 
it just simply doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, there have been some hiccups. Bottom line is the winds have been coming in Monday afternoon, notwithstanding. And a big opportunity in these next couple of games to keep this thing rolling inside the division. Uh, Mike's going to join us in just a sec. As I mentioned, tomorrow uh, we're hoping to have Dalton Schoen jump on the program, which should be a lot of fun heading into the weekend. Uh, Dalton's got an event tomorrow here in Winnipeg at the Bomber Store. We'll fill you in on about that. Uh, and really looking forward to bomber season. And of course, all our Blue Bomber reports brought to you by Princess Auto, the uh, official partner of the Bombers home now. They'll be playing at Princess Auto Stadium, and uh, you know we'll be packing those Princess Auto tailgates before bomber games coming up this season. So join us for Dalton Shown tomorrow, bomber fans. And again, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the uh, best assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of their two locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Proudly founded and headquartered right here in Winnipeg. It's Princess Auto. Speaking of headquartered and founded here in Winnipeg, how about our friends at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, They've been doing it as the leaders in both since 1946. And listen, spring is just around the corner. We'll see those fences up and the trucks all around the city. Uh, but while we get through this Winnipeg winter and the weather is going to be nuts, really warm, really cold over the next week, depending on what day you wake up on, uh, this is a perfect time to make sure that your garage door is uh, ready to go for the rest of winter into the summer. Because as we know, winter puts far more stress on a garage door. Uh, now you can uh, give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. There's certainly only one name you need to know when it comes to great menswear at awesome prices in Winnipeg. And that, of course, is F Apparel. Guys, if you're looking to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, you need to get down to F right now. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are in a wedding... Or in a wedding party, make sure to uh, get the guys together and talk to the folks at F about a 15% discount when you get your suits for the big day at F Apparel that you can wear long beyond the big day. F's at 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more or make an appointment online at F. That's E-P-H apparel.com. All right. Always enjoy our weekly conversation with Mike McIntyre. And uh, Mike joins us now to get the latest on the Winnipeg Jets practice. And uh, I have to admit, I quite enjoyed your tweet coming out of the weekly newsletter from the mind of Mike McIntyre with the, uh, shall we say, fickle nature of part of the fan base right now that has been all over the map over the last... Yeah, the Jets, you know, a bit of a identity crisis in terms of game-to-game -game Saturday to Monday, which we have not seen a lot from this Jets team this year. They've been the the picture of consistency and maybe not surprisingly some fans are all over the map too you know it really it really struck me Huss as I sat in Calgary on Monday afternoon covering that game like I get that you know there's a, a few players that some fans want to always kind of go after Logan Stanley uh is is you know one example Kyle Connor but when I started to get uh messages blasting Connor Hellebuck of all people 
Uh, and I did get a bunch of those on Monday. Like, to me, that's when this kind of jumped the shark. And it's like, my goodness. Uh, I can't imagine, like, first of all, I'm not here to tell anybody how to fan. Uh, I mean, you can fan however you want to fan. I'm not a fan. I, I cover the team. Doesn't matter to me if they win or lose. Uh, I just can't imagine how exhausting it would be to be all over the map, not just game to game, but sometimes period to period with this team. And I get that, you know, social media, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, you know, a lot of folks, the hot takes, they flow fast and furious, emphasis on furious. But, you know, as I kind of looked at the deluge of messages that I've got just in the last few days, and as you see on the screen here, I kind of, and that's just some of them, guys. There was way more than that I could have used. This is just over the last few days on a 34, 15, and 5 hockey team that is first in the Central, if you go on point percentage, second in the West, fifth in the NHL. If you just, if you just showed this to somebody and, and didn't tell them what Winnipeg's record was, as I wrote in my newsletter today, which, by the way, is free, there's no paywall, and if you want to get it in your email inbox, just click on the link, and it'll get emailed out to you every Thursday afternoon. But you would think that the Jets are competing with the Sharks and the Blackhawks and the Ducks and, the, you know, for last place in the NHL. And again, I'm not telling anyone how to fan. It's just, as I said, this feels exhausting to me to see, you know, some of the... Um, the angst out there, uh, and and this is when things are going pretty well. I get that they lost on on Monday, and a lot of people, you know, that one loss seemed to really set a lot of people off. I'll tell you this, Huss, the Jets have, what, 28 games left, I think, as we sit here today. Um, they're going to lose a bunch more. I can guarantee it um, because, you know, they're not going to go 28 no. Nobody's going 28-0 over the last... Two. They're, so they're going to lose a bunch more games. They might even lose tomorrow. Um, and as I say, my advice to some folks at the end of this newsletter was just breathe, folks. The the NHL season, <laughs> it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I don't get this whole using every shift, every period, every game as some kind of referendum on the current state of affairs. As I say, it just strikes me as exhausting. I felt it was kind of worth touching on. I know, look, I posted this on Twitter, which I know is kind of like throwing steak to a bunch of hungry dogs. <laughs> I was just about to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, it's remarkable. And as I wrote, it's the vocal, the very vocal minority. My email inbox in the last couple hours since this newsletter went out, I'm, I think I'm up to about 30 emails I've got from people and every one of them, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, I'm just saying the different tone of different forums. All of the emails are like, yeah, that's why I don't go on Twitter. That's why I hate social media. You said what I've often thought. Of course, I expect the responses on Twitter will probably be the polar opposite. In fact, I've already seen a few of them. So, um, you know, it just, it, it, it reinforces a couple of things that I've always thought. First of all, there are some people out there who are only happy when they're unhappy. And that goes, that's not just sports, that goes for just life in general. Um, and secondly, Twitter, social media is not real life. It is but a snapshot. 
and I would say at times a very misleading snapshot of the silent majority who probably think and function a little different. But anyways, it just struck me this week. And as I said, the I, the, the topper for me was when Connor Hellebuck suddenly came under attack from a bunch of people because he didn't have his best game in Calgary. The Connor Hellebuck, who's having a career year, who's probably the runaway favorite to win the Vesna, who's a legitimate Hart Trophy candidate, and who just had his 31-game historical streak of three goals or less come to an end, one of the best in NHL history. When people started attacking Connor Hellebuck, uh, you know, that, that's where <laughs> I just went, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that uh, jumping the shark is a good way to put it. Uh, well, I just did a show with Dustin Nielsen who said people are really fired up. McDavid hasn't scored in seven games. What's going on? I mean, there's – I'll just say this, and you are right, and, and I think most people, like if you actually interact with other people, Jet fans, I mean, I make a point of, you know, I record the games. I usually like to go out with a bunch of people and watch the games. And I'd stay away from my phone for the most part uh, during yeah. during the game, um, because you know you really can get. And listen, as I say, everyone's got the right to their own take or whatever. But there's a lot of folks uh, in particular forums or whatever that are, and and especially when you've made a case where you've been hammering on one thing or one guy for a long time, you're almost watching the game to prove right. yourself right, and yeah. then. Whenever there's an evidence of something you did, you're kind of going back to it over and over again. And I mean, it is, I think it's healthy for fans as much as I love social media and I'm on it quite a bit. There is something to be said for taking a step back, watching the game yourself, talking with some other voices or opinions that might not be as involved in those areas. Um, And I think that to your point, I think that, the vast majority of people are pretty darn happy about where this club is right now in the direction of it. All that being said, this last month or so has been very different than most of the season. Um, the team couldn't score for the better part of two and a half or three weeks, seven goals in seven games. They came back and broke that five game losing streak with a couple of wins that didn't exactly inspire a ton of confidence in them and two, one over Pittsburgh hanging on. And then, the one nothing game, and what were we talking about? This team is screwed. The power play, fire, <laughs> fire the guys in charge of the power play, um, change it all up, and now all of a sudden the power play is as hot as it's been. Thank you to Ken Weeb in a stretch since 2012. So we're talking about 12 years here, right. with six goals and 11. And again, it's a very small sample size, but they were almost due, and that's exactly what they needed. But they have, and we just heard from Adam Lowry, have gotten away a little bit at times, especially on Monday, and I would suggest in the second period on Tuesday against Minnesota, away from the foundation of their game that got them to where they are in the standings in the first place. Um, Some guys have started to score again. Others are still sort of mired mired in a slump. Uh, Mike, coming out of the Minnesota game, going into two games against teams that are far, far from the playoff line. What do you make of the Winnipeg Jets right now coming out of practice today and where they move from here, trying to get some of those guys going that haven't been, but most importantly, I'm sure to bonus, getting back to their defensive structure that has been, as I've said, the foundation of their success. I mean, to be perfectly honest, Huss, like the le- my level of concern with 
this Jets team right now is is minimal. And the biggest reason for that is I think at the end of the day, where this Jets team of 2023-24 is really going to be judged is not how they're playing over a couple weeks in February or even how they're playing in March. It's it's what they're doing starting in mid-April. This Jets team has shown that it has the the tools, it has the structure, it, ha- it has the foundation to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And, you know, the jury is going to be out on this team ultimately until we see how they perform in the playoffs. Uh, because this is no longer a team, and maybe some thought at the beginning of the year, this is a team, you know, that was going to have to to fight and claw just to get into the playoffs. We're past that point. I mean, it's going to take something monumental for the Jets to fall out of the top three. So they're not going to be in a wild card spot. Uh, they're in a fight for first. And as Rick Bonus touched upon today, like, obviously it would be nice to win the division. Um, I think if you're the Jets, you'd like to win the conference. And, and I say that just because, to me, the only potential easier, and it won't be easy, but the easier matchup is going to be playing the second wildcard team because I look at that Pacific division and you've got Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton, LA, like one of those teams, and it might very well be the Kings, is going to be the first wildcard team very likely. And I don't care which of those four, like that's not a, a favorable matchup. It's not an easy matchup, that's for sure. So, you know, winning the conference might get you um, at least, you know, St. Louis or Nashville or Calgary or whoever manages to grab that last spot. But but bottom line to me, yeah, there's some concerns for sure uh, with the Jets play. The concerns have shifted a little bit here recently, as you pointed out. (laughs) The five on five play have been exceptional. The defensive play have been exceptional. Special teams were a disaster. All of a sudden now power plays cooking um, but defensively five on five yeah there's been a bit of a setback um, but as I say I, I'm not going to put all that much stock into what that looks like right now um, I, I think this team is learning lessons as they go along here and at the end of the day they have the muscle memory if you will to hopefully go back to their roots and what what's got them to where they are but we won't really be able to fully evaluate and judge until the stage gets bigger in, in mid-April. So, you know, yeah, there's there's some growing pains here. Look at every team in the league, even the best teams out there. Vancouver was running away with the President's Trophy a week ago. Now they've lost three in a row and there's all kinds of angst. Boston had a extended losing streak recently. The Rangers hit a skid. Like, every team's going to have these these ebbs and flows, these peaks and valleys. For the Jets, I think this is important to point out, Winnipeg's valley so far, the biggest valley right now is, what, three games? Uh, like three regulation losses in a row. And yes, they had that that five-game winless streak. Um, but, you know, if that ends up being the biggest valley of the year, you're in a pretty good spot at the end of the season over 82 games. Well, and the team's in a very good spot right now, as we mentioned. And, I mean, you look around... Dallas has lost three in a row. The uh, Avalanche have been middling over the last little while. And even with that five-game winless streak uh, and a very disappointing game against Calgary on Monday, 
Um, the Jets right now, to your point, by points percentage, are the best team in the uh, division. They've got some extra games to play to catch up. Yeah. And um, they need to get back. And it's really, it's not about what the other teams are doing. It's about what they're doing right now. And, you know, as I said, we're going to hear from Bones uh, in, in a minute. But, you know, I, I thought Adam Lowry put it very well as we led into this uh, the, this segment. They know what they have to do. They know how they got to be where they are. And they, as a team, need to do that. As far as the second line goes right now, um, just quick thoughts on Ehlers and what you learned that, you know, he wasn't at practice today because he has dealing dealing with something. Does that make a little more sense, his recent struggles? Um, and as I pointed out earlier, and I'll just repeat it for you, it's a long 82-game season. All teams, all players at times go through slumps. I think Perfetti particularly in the longest season of his professional career has hit a bit of a skid right now, but that can change quickly. And both he and Nikolai Ehlers have been big, big parts of this team's success so far this season. And Mike, when I look at these games against Chicago and against Arizona, first things first, you want to win, you want to get two points. I think what I'm most hopeful of is that maybe a couple things can go well for that line. They can start feeling it a little bit more um, because if that happens, I think the Jets are in a really good place. Yeah. So first off on Nikola Ehlers, absolutely. I think, and, and, you know, Rick bonus the other day alluded to like, there's more, there may be more going on here than everyone is aware of in terms of deployment and ice time and all that. And again, this goes back to what we started off talking about, you know, a lot of fans with their hot takes, um, they may not have all the facts, and, and we, media, may not have all the facts either. Um, and it, it goes back to, you know, one of the other things that I've been hit with a bunch of messages is this idea that we in the media aren't properly holding, you know, Rick Bonus and the coaching staff accountable. I've lost track of how many messages, you know, why don't you ask this? You're afraid to ask that. Fact of the matter is, and, and I just did it again on Monday in Calgary when we were on the road, and Rick Bonus gave a very long, detailed answer, provocative, I would say, answer about Ehlers and Perfetti, and we're not just going to hand out ice time. We're well past that point. I think, again, some people mistake when they disagree with the answer the coach gives. They think we in the media, like, we should be pushing back and and really going after the coaching staff. We're the messenger here. We ask the questions. If you don't like the answers, I mean, that's fair. That's entirely fair. The idea of these sort of that we should be confronting the coach and, um, you know, I, I think the Ehlers situation points to that there's probably more going on here than we know. And today it came out because he missed the practice. And the fact is Nikola Ehlers hasn't really looked like himself lately. And we find out today maybe that's for a good reason because he's probably dealing with some kind of, of hidden injury. I can tell you, Huss, there's a lot of guys. I don't know who they all are, but there are a bunch of guys right now that are dealing with different things. There was another uh, bug going through the room on the road trip last week. We know Morgan Barron didn't even make it out of the third period because he was hurling during the intermission um, in Vancouver. So there's guys that are not even close to 100%. There's reasons, for example, they've had extra guys taking the pregame warm-up because there's been question marks. Presumably, Nikolai Ehlers has been one of them. And I think that probably explains why his ice time isn't where it is and where his performance isn't where it is. And by default, you could say, well, Cole Perfetti, because he plays with Ehlers, 
he's kind of been dragged down a little bit as well. His ice time gets down. I'll say this, though, Huss. I actually thought Cole Perfetti showed some encouraging signs the other day against the Wild. He had a really good chance. I think it was in the second period. Um, and as Scotty just said, as, as he was on with you, you know, at this point, probably just needs something to go right for him to get a little bit of confidence back. It's it's no doubt extremely low right now. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, Cole Perfetti is a very talented player. Nikolai Ehlers, very talented player. These guys will figure it out. And again, I, I guess for me, I'm a little more worried or I'd be more worried if we were now into early to mid-April and the games are really, you know, impactful and, and we were seeing what we're seeing. Um, let's just wait and see what these guys look like as the, the spotlight gets a little bigger here. Uh, Mike, uh, before we break, I want to go back to Tuesday night for a minute. Um, were you surprised that there was seemingly um, no heat on Ryan Hartman? And um, I mean, what do you take away from that? I was a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, because I and sometimes I think we in the media and maybe the fans, we build these up. And then, you know, not a whole lot of is charged. Yeah, but I, I honestly thought just the way that played out on the New Year's Eve game and with the revelation of Hartman saying he deliberately, you know, it was interesting, Huss. Like, I was traveling back on Tuesday, but you no doubt would have seen. I only saw the, the written transcript. I didn't see the bonus deliver the comments himself. But did it not almost seem as if Rick Bonus, who's certainly old school, almost suggested that Cole Perfetti never should have said anything about that. Um, yeah, he said he, was, he wasn't he was pleased the way that it got out. And from what I was, understand, I mean, the I, I don't think that was just Cole deciding on his own that uh, oh. I mean, these guys are coached pretty well by an experienced PR team. I mean, they're not doing that in a vacuum. Yeah, I, I can I have a little bit of insight of how that all came out at the time. And, and you know, some players were certainly vocal about it. Um, in the room now now it almost se- seemed like Rick Bonus kind of regretted that it came to light I-, I do wonder Huss we talk about things we don't know like I wonder did the NHL uh, have a little chat with the Jets in the wild did somebody you know contact both teams and say you know what we're going to be watching extra close here we've already seen Huss a couple recent examples in the NHL of quote revenge gone wrong Morgan Riley and and we saw how he got hammered by the league for an act of revenge you know that wasn't a hockey play so I don't know I mean I thought Ryan Hartman was a bit of a non-factor the other day like you know he was doing Ryan Hartman things early ran took a couple runs at guys there was a couple slashes and stuff but I am a little surprised it didn't get a little more out of hand especially as the score got to what it was like I thought okay here we go the, the one thing when it got to 5-1 it very quickly got to 5-3 and all of a sudden True. I, I think put a less concern on. but I mean I guess and I'm not suggesting doing anything like the garbage that well Hartman did to Cole Perfetti um, but for a team and Rick Bonus has always said hey we're a family you do one to uh, something to yeah. us you do something to everybody uh, I was I was surprised and I'd be I guess from a fan's perspective a little disappointed that I mean, at least no one went up and, and challenged, you know, Hartman to drop the gloves or, or something like that. Yeah. And I can guarantee you, and this I will take to the grave, if the roles were reversed and and the Jets were in the wild situation 
and Minnesota was the team that felt they'd, like they'd been wronged, and a guy on the Jets had taken two cheap shots at players on their team, and that game was in Minnesota, that game would have looked nothing like the game that took place in Winnipeg on Tuesday night. Take that to the bank. Well, you're right, Has because look back to December 31st. I mean, Pat Maroon fights Adam Lowry like right off the opening faceoff, and Pat Maroon had no issue with Adam Lowry, to be clear. That was strictly because of what had happened the day before with Kirill Kaprizov, even though Brendan Dillon had already fought Jake Middleton after the Kaprizov incident. So, yeah, it, it did feel a little bit like, you know, Ryan Hartman kind of didn't get his comeuppance. Now, maybe to the Jets, the ultimate revenge was beating them for a third straight time. And, hey, as the fans and the 300s uh, were very vocal pointing out, thank you, Hartman, when he took, you know, a pretty – kind of a dumb, selfish penalty there in the third period uh, that that quickly leads to a Jets goal and, you know, kind of put that game out of reach. So, um, yeah, I mean, they do have one more meeting, Huss, and it is in Minnesota. Uh, We'll see where both teams are. That's the Jets' final road trip of the year in early April. I mean, I'll be interested to see, like, where the Jets, have they sewn up a top three spot at that point and where the wild at that point, like are the wild still in a playoff fight in early April or are they already into next year territory? Um, so we'll see how the, uh, the fourth and final edition uh, of, of that matchup goes this year. Mike, great stuff as always. Uh, of course, folks check out Mike's reporting on the jets in the free press, but also check the newsletter. <laughs> It's a spicy one uh, this spicy. week and uh, at uh, Mike McIntyre on uh, on Twitter as well. Thanks for doing this, dude. We'll uh, talk to you soon. You bet, Huss. Enjoy the rest of the week. Well, lots more to come on the program. Busy night in the National Hockey League. We're going to get to that in a few minutes as uh, well as a uh, great conversation with Chris Gloak uh, when the uh, Sport Manitoba takes a community to play. But we're going to hear from Rick Bonus coming up in just a moment. Um, But before we do that, let me give a big cheers to uh, the gang down at Little Brown Jug. We'll be back at the rink at Canada Life Centre. Of course, tickets still available for Sunday and Tuesday. Big divisional games for the Jets, Coyotes, and the St. Louis Blues. And uh, if you weren't already aware, now you are. Little Brown Jug Classics 1919 and Generic Lager available at at, uh, Craft Beer Corners. Section 124 downstairs and Section 310 in the upper bowl. Um, And, of course, that great generic lager that continues to grow here in Manitoba, available at your local Manitoba liquor marts or beer stores for the great low price of $19.99 for an eight-pack of tall boy cans. So pick that up today. And, of course, pop by and see our friends at Little Brown Jug at the brewery and tap room, the best place to enjoy LBJ on William Avenue. Check them online as well at uh, littlebrownjug.ca with local delivery options. Super Bowl championship gear coming into Royal Sports by the day. I'll be uh, heading down there this weekend to uh, grab a bunch celebrating the Chiefs win. Um, But it doesn't matter what team you support because if you need to up your fan gear, Royal Sports is that spot. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, all the jerseys, Customized with your favorite player's name and number, not to mention um, so many hoodies, jackets, T-shirts, uh, lids, toques. They've got it all. Bombers, NFL, Jays, spring training's on. You got the Blue Jays merch as well for the new season. And uh, and a lot of great stuff in the last few years so you don't have to deal with the new Fanatics junk as well. 
just an aside on that. Uh, the biggest and best hockey section in town. Snowboards, boots, and bindings just in time for spring break. And all the cool stuff on the King Skate Snow and Surf side. Get on down to Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, you can also follow them on Instagram. I would suggest it, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And, hey, we got a big slate of games, which we'll get to tonight. No Jets, though. They'll play tomorrow in Chicago. Um, but whether the Jets are on or not, the best place to gather with your gang to watch it is at your local Boston Pizza, Ice Cold Schooners, world-famous BP Wings, Gourmet Pizzas, and more. And uh, always the big game on the big screen with big sound at your local Boston Pizza. Staying at home, order online at bostonpizza.ca. All right, let's hear... From head coach Rick Bonus, uh, Bones was peppered with questions heading on to the road today, uh, on to Chicago, and uh, he talked about the uh, the scoring outburst from the club over the last three games. Well, this is the time of year when uh, you guys are a little tired, right? They are, and all around the league, I'm going to talk about us, and, and I see it. I've been I watch the games at night. And I see more scoring chances uh, in the in the league now than earlier in the year, and then it, it'll tighten up again. There's no, it, it will tighten up again. It'll tighten up, and I'm sure he hopes that his team, as we heard from Adam Lowry earlier, can get back to being uh, tightened up. Uh, uh, Bones also kind of got a little bit more into the explosion on the power play at the same time, kind of bouncing off his last answer of a little slipping in the five-on-five play. We take, we've taken great pride in our team game all year. We have now. We go into Vancouver and it's a dominant game. And then we let it slip against Calgary and we let it slip in the second period against Minnesota. So that's the challenge. That's, that's what we face as, as coaches is to get that standard of play high and keep it at a consistent level. That's always a challenge for every coach. So what is the challenge for you right now then doing Blake? trying to get that because well, like, it seemed like you, you caught yourself last game in the third period yeah, but we, in calgary maybe not the maybe not necessarily yeah we didn't have the same energy in calgary we we got it back in the third but a lot of it issues is self-inflicted a lot of it is puck management you watch us going through the neutral zone and when you turn the puck over where we are it's a scramble there's you, you lose all sense of structure because you got everyone coming up one way and all of a sudden you're coming back. So a big part of it is managing the puck, especially in the second period, managing the puck going through the neutral zone. And, and so and we got caught in a couple of bad changes because we didn't manage the puck, it went back in our zone. Now they're tired, now they're making bad changes. So a lot of it is, is related to that. But that being said, there was also some rush D that we didn't cover like we normally would cover. So, you know, we didn't practice between Calgary and Minnesota, obviously. So you try, you try to straighten it out today in practice and with the video we did this morning. Good stuff from uh, Bones with uh, Scott Billick. And uh, Billick followed up and he mentioned this when we uh, spoke with Scott earlier today on a question to Bonus um, regarding Kyle Connor and essentially asking if he gets more leeway on giveaways. Uh, and then touches on Nikolai Ehlers and his injury status right here. Would a Kyle Connor giveaway be weighted differently than a Nikolai Ehlers giveaway? No. Just right now? No? No. Okay. No, they're all the same. Okay. Do we give some players, you know, a little more leeway? Nick's in that group. They get a little more leeway. They, but there comes a point where you, 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 your teammates and 
the time of the game and the score and everything. You've just got to make the right play. But no, no, they're all, they're all the same. No, he's been uh, battling something, so uh, we got to try to we'll keep him off the ice and let him see if we can get this thing going again. But he's been battling it for a little bit now. Injury, though, yeah, yeah, nagging injury. That's yeah. Pardon me. We, yeah, we do expect him to play tomorrow. But again, with this, and you, you keep him off today and yesterday, and you hope he's feeling better tomorrow. But again, if it's sore, then we're not going to we're not going to make it any worse. Let's, let's put it that way. It's been, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, new, recurring, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a nagging injury, so yeah, so yeah, yeah, to both. I will say, Bones always cracks me up when he gets these questions about the injuries, and we know how NHL coaches and teams and players are. What injury is it new or recurring? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is some classic Bones. Um. Okay, this, this is an answer I'm quite interested to hear because, uh, as I mentioned, I think yesterday, um, you know, you come out of a big win like that and then you look at the schedule. And it's a one game in Chicago where uh, the Jets lost an OT earlier this year. And then a home game against the Coyotes, who have been absolutely horrible next to uh, well, the last little while. These are games that you certainly expect to have. Um, but Bones was asked about, you know, if the team's motivation changes at all based on their opponent kind of looking back at how they played against Vancouver and Minnesota and the game against Calgary sandwiched in between. Well, the, the, yeah, I mean, you go into Vancouver and it's the two top teams going head-to-head. And you look at Vancouver, they went into Minnesota and gave up 10 two days later, right? So talks facing the same challenges. We all face those challenges when you have that emotional game. Uh, it's a playoff game and, and this, to get them back up again at that level, uh, it's not an automatic. And that, But again, that's a challenge for us as coaches is to try to keep pushing that envelope a little higher. All right, so uh, there's bones on uh, on that, and then this is just sort of a follow up on that. You know, if there if there are concerns about motivation at this time of the year, which often is that sort of lull before that race to the finish line, especially for a team comfortably in a playoff spot. We do our best every day to keep the uh, focus on the process. We do, regardless who we're playing, regardless of where we're playing, which is easier said than done. But that is a challenge. Yeah, it is. Does the division title mean much? Well, we don't talk about those things. We, we talk about the next game. The, the, those things, if you take care of the process and you take game to game, those things will take care of itself. And there's still 28 games to go. So the guys know where we stand, right? So, um, yeah, those things will, we, we, as coaches, we can, you know, we, we, I know what I'm thinking. And, um, but I, I just, my job is to take care, deal with the process every day. All right, there's uh, Bones a little bit more on the process and uh, getting ready for these games against Chicago. Uh, listen, the Adam Lowry line was phenomenal on uh, on a Monday, um, or sorry, Tuesday, I guess, against uh, the Minnesota Wild. I mean, that was as uh, good of a game as they'd had in a while. Obviously, a big goal by Mason Appleton helped that, but, I mean, it was more the way they went head-to-head with a line that was as hot as any in the NHL coming into the game. Um, Bones expanded a little bit more on... Uh, the foundation of his forward lines and why that Lowry line has been kept together as long as it is. 
It's a dominant line. It is. And, um, you know, the easy thing, okay, take one, but, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. But when you got a dominant line that's controlled in play and it's doing, you got to remember that they're the roles that I'm putting them in. When we get scored against, they're going on the ice to make sure to settle things down. We get scored against, they're going back out, get the four check going again. So that's their role, play against the opposition's top lines. It's when we have the last line change at home. So, I mean, it's it's worked to this point, and nothing is written in stone. doesn't mean that we won't move some of those guys around if we need to. We just haven't felt that need yet. Um, here's one in the lineup, and uh, this is just Bones talking about the lineup decisions last game. Of course, Rasmus Kapari came in, as did Logan Stanley. Morgan Barron and Nate Schmidt were out. Here's what he had to say on those decisions. Like Nate, Nate, we pulled them out, not, not because of bad play, we, we, because of all the games that are coming up, right? And we need everyone playing. Coop hasn't played for a while. we got to get him in. Um, so, that, but... With with the schedule that we're facing now, we don't want to throw a guy in the middle of March who hasn't played for a while because the games, again, they get more and more important. So it's important to us. And at home ice, we get last change. Um, and so it, it, neither one of them were scratched for a bad play. Uh, they weren't now. But we have to keep everyone that is here playing best we can. All right, so there's bones on that. No uh, surprise on uh, the answer to that. And uh, one more uh, on you know competition and the benefits of competition for ice time at this time of year, as well as the uh, challenge of a Blackhawks team that now has Connor Bedard. We all remember what he can do in overtime when these teams played earlier this year in Chicago. Well, you know, if we we, we have the luxury of that fourth line giving us good quality minutes, uh, if we have to shorten the bench, we'll shorten the bench. Um, but uh, again, you, you can't get burnt out early in March by throwing rolling three lines out there with a lot of games coming up and a lot of travel. So it's it's monitoring that ice time and making sure that fourth line is giving us good quality minutes so and give the other guys a bit of a breather. It's been a tough season for Chicago, but they've played you relatively tough. I mean, yeah. what, what stood out about your games with the them so team. far? <laughs> really, we went in that, we lost that one in overtime. It was unbelievable, the performance he put on. We've had a tough time scoring on that guy. It's not that we haven't created a ton of scoring chances against him. We had. And with that game we lost in overtime, it was it was 2-1, to one, more than 2-1 to one chance for and against. We've had a tough time putting the puck in the net behind, behind him, so give him credit. Um, but we've played them better than the score indicated. That being said, we have to find a way to score, and we uh, we got we need the two points. There is Bones, Winnipeg Jets head coach Rick Bonus on Winnipeg Sports Talk from earlier today. Post practice, Jets probably getting in the air right about now. Game day tomorrow, seven thirty p.m. at United Center. Big weekend in Chicago with uh, Chris Chelios getting his number retired on Sunday. Apparently, Michael Jordan. Going to be showing up for that one. Jordan doesn't make too many public appearances in the Windy City, but uh, for his boy, Chelly, he's going to be uh, doing exactly that. We're busy night tonight in the National Hockey League. We'll get to that in just a minute. Um, Got to give a shout-out to the friend, our friends at Aikens Lake who are getting ready for uh, another big fishing season in paradise here in Manitoba. If you're looking for a fly-in fishing experience, a unique one where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is that spot, and as incredible as the world-class fishing is, the hospitality, the Turen family, and the Aikens team might be even better than that. I'm counting down the days to get back out there this summer. 
why don't you uh, take a look, whether it's for a friend's, a family trip, a business trip with some colleagues or customers. Uh, there's nothing like Aikens Lake. Find out more online, akinslake.com, and also check out their socials at Aikens Lake. Um, this is a really great interview coming up, folks. We will get to the lines coming up for Cool Bet in a few minutes and talk about a very busy night in the National Hockey League. Uh, but today on the Sport Manitoba, it takes a community to play segment brought to you by our friends at Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. We welcome in two-time Manitoba Marathon um, champion and Manitoba Sports Hall of Famer, Chris Glowak. All right, it's time for another segment with our friends at Sport Manitoba. It takes a community to play, supported by the good folks at Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. And this is an absolute pleasure to welcome in uh, a Manitoba running legend, a member of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, and uh, one of the a very short list of Manitobans to win the Manitoba Marathon. Manitoba Sports Hall of Famer Chris Glowak joins us now. Chris, it is so good to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I'm great, and uh, talking from Mexico, it's even better. So, <laughs> yeah, no doubt, we've caught you at a good time, enjoying. Uh, I will tell you, it's uh, it's pretty nice here, uh, all, all things considered. Uh, I'm sure the winter runners are enjoying the uh, uh, the weather so far this year. We've had an awesome winter in Winnipeg, and my I've always joked my wife is uh, still competitive, not competitive, but she still runs. So I always joke that at one time I was one of the fastest runners in the country. And now I'm not even the fastest in the family. <laughs> you know, I, you've got such an incredible story. Um, but I, I want to I wanna focus in on your start. Because, you know, I was watching the video of your Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame induction. And some of your closest friends pointed out how growing up you were far from, quote-unquote, an athlete. Um, tell us about growing up and how you got into running in the first place. Oh, my, my friend that threw me under the bus? <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> um, um, no, it's true. I actually, I didn't do anything. In, I was too too short and to play volleyball and basketball. And back then, it was a big-time thing in high school athletics. So I didn't really run a step in my life until I met my wife in high school or future wife in high school. We've been together almost 50 years now and um, her family was runners. So I thought, well, I better try this. So I tried it and her dad and I decided we we're going to run the first Manitoba marathon, but we weren't going to run the whole thing. Cause I'd never run more than six miles before in my life and either at he, so he, his goal was to, go six or eight miles and they had exit with dignity at that time so you could exit any time on the course get a get a certificate and be done with it well 20 20 or 21 year old chris decided he was going to feeling pretty good so i carried on carried on carried on and uh at halfway i decided well i might as well finish this thing and i did finish it and it took a few days to really say i um enjoyed it because um, I was in so much pain and I had to, I remember the next day I had to drive my vehicle to Brandon. I had a Toyota Corolla 19, it would have been a 1980, whatever year it was. I had to drive my car to Brandon and um, I had to crawl out of my parents' house to get into the car and then use my my knee to push the 
push the pedal down, put, put pedal down to even um, change gears. So, but you know, with after a few days, I was planning my next marathon. Um, what was it like finishing? I mean, from a plan of just going out and trying to hang with your future father-in-law to actually crossing the, uh, well, at what point did you catch the bug? I mean, was it at the end realizing that you did it and could do it? Um, or was it later after the fact going, hey, I've already done one. Maybe I can uh, get into this a little more seriously. Well, it was funny because I actually surprisingly did it in three hours and 19 minutes, which for never running, or I would. That's I a natural. It is a natural, and I don't come from a family of athletes. Like I said, I mentioned my dad when we were talking earlier about curling, but I was never really brought up a really athletic family. And it took, well, I ran the second one, so I did, I, and then improved a little bit, and but never really got serious about running. I, I don't know if I ever got serious about it. I just fell in love with it and just, and you know, the biggest thing with running was, the one thing I heard was there was a thing that said, I read an article that said, running has no skills. You put one foot in front of the other and repeat. And I thought, well, that's pretty good for an, a non-athletic person. So I just thought, well, I just did it more and more and more and and became decent at it. Well, decent, uh, you, you're, you're too modest. I mean, uh, you know, for someone that didn't take it and didn't wasn't really serious in it, it has become a huge part of your life. And, I mean, you went back-to-back back in 97 and 98 as a homegrown Manitoba Marathon champion. I mean, I'm sure over the course of, you know, your incredible career with over 80 marathons, that those must stand out. Tell us about preparing and then and then being a contender and actually winning it. You know what's funny is, um, I think I, how can I put it? Um, like I say, the family connection, and then I don't know where this came from because I didn't really train. I had no, co I've never had a coach really. Um, never was coached properly. Never did proper nutrition. Nothing like that. And then. And I, was, I will say when you can't when you answer, ask the question about what my favorite marathon was, it was still and I, so I what I taught people in my clinics was crossing the finish line for the first time is still the most memorable one. Sure, absolutely winning at ninety seven was a thrill because to be the first Manitoba born to have John Robertson Hall of Fame broadcaster at the finish line putting a medal around my neck and said, he said, I've never heard Pan Am Stadium that loud ever, even at the Pan Am Games when they were here in, what, 67. So he, to, I guess because I was well-known through owning the running room with my wife, Lynn. So to when they announced that I was coming in, the first Manitoba born and who I was, just I'll never forget that. You know, um, our, our pal Jeff Kerbison did a great write-up on you, and folks, you can read uh, you know about Chris's uh, career um, at the Hall of Fame inductee spotlight um, at the Sport Manitoba website. Um, and this is from the 2023 class for the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Um, but Chris, what I didn't know, I mean, I've known your name for a long time. I knew you were synonymous with the sport in Manitoba and have been involved in so many different things. I wasn't aware of how you lost the majority of your sight 
and then still completed the marathon in a pretty impressive time in 2004. I mean, fill us in on the challenges that you went through during that period of time and how you were able to stay in the game. Well, what they did was the Manitoba Marathon approached me and decided they were going to make me the poster child for the 19, 1984, or, yeah, I guess 19... Um, get the dates mixed, the years mixed up, but 2004, I think was the, uh, was the one. You're right. So they approached me after I lost my vision in 2003 and they asked if I'd be the poster child. And then they created a team around me that they, people had to raise money, be on Chris's team. And which was a huge honor for me. And, um, so we had people that ran, Ran, we trained together, we did events together, and people had raised, I think, a thousand dollars to be on Chris's team. So we raised some money for the for the um, Association for Community Living at the time. And then I thought, well, I'm still in okay shape. So I thought, and the media expo, the media coverage of me running it was it was crazy. I mean, they had national national news. I know even. Um, they did a 10 minute um, documentary on me with CBC on the national with Peter Mansbridge and then the media coverage. I felt like I thought every step of the way on the marathon route, I thought all these vehicles around me covering me, it was like if it had been a white Bronco, it would have been felt like <laughs> the, the Bronco OJ. And um, so it was, pretty intense but and I stopped and visited with I could have broke three hours that day I was in pretty good shape still and but I thought you know what I'm just going to enjoy it I stopped and walked with people that were still in just doing the half marathon and I stopped and visited with them and people that had inspired me or cheered me on over the years and I've run that that course since 1979 the same Manitoba marathon course they've changed it recently to go the opposite way, but for the, all those years to um, to run that course and have the cheering, Kevin Donnelly, you probably know Kevin. Of course. In his, um, he did a part of the tribute to me in the Hall of Fame um, evening, and he said, um, it was kind of cool, because I didn't even know he was doing this whole thing. It was all a surprise to all of us that were doing the, uh, the they did their talks, and Kevin said, um, if, if there was a mayoralty race on that weekend, I would been I would have been the mayor of the city. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I, I mean, listen, it's a it, it's an inspiring story from the beginning. With you know, not being a person that was involved in tons of sports, sort of just finding her way into a challenge, and then you know having this great career. But um, you know, maybe if you can speak to you know, the work you've done, probably inspiring people with disabilities, particularly vision-wise when it comes to participating in sport period, but especially running. Uh, and then your work with Joints in Motion, which, um, you know, was a big part of the uh, the induction tribute to you um, with what you've done sort of away from, uh, away from the track. You know, it's interesting because um, I worked for the Arthritis Society for a number of years, and that was a after I left the running room, um, they approached me to join the society. So it was perfect because I've had to fundraise. So I had to get people to sign up and raise money for the Arthritis Society. Some of them had to raise up to, you know, five, ten thousand dollars 10000 And then I got to train them, 
train them because of my background as a runner, train them and bring them on tr- events all over the world. So we've I've taken groups to Ireland, to Portugal, to the Great Wall of China. And so it was great. I still got to go. And then I stayed on the course. Jamaica was an example where I stayed on the course for eight hours going back and forth for people because they, they raised the money. A lot of them had no background in running or walking even that distance. And I'd stay on the course until our last participant came in. And um, some of them were eight hours in Jamaica. I'll never forget it. And having to have, I, and then one of my participants decided they were going to stop at about 20 miles. So I was the only person left on the course. And um, so the last mile I just ran um, in Jamaica, um, Bob's mile. So it was Bob Marley's mile. And they were handing out red striped beer at the time. So I thought, well, might as well enjoy this. So, so, um, but yeah, so it was, it's great. I inspired, hopefully I inspired people to achieve their goal and to raise money for different organizations. Chris, um, you know, for, um, for, for people that maybe are younger right now that are at a different stage in their life that maybe haven't been involved in, you know, many sports or physical activity, what would you say to people to um, give running a try? And maybe if you can speak to what the running community has sort of given back to you over your Hall of Fame career in life. Oh, the running, the running, if it wasn't for the running community, I wouldn't have, you know, they've done more for me than I've done for them, I think. And uh, so what I tell young people is it's not the easiest activity involved because it's a very um i know my wife runs with a group of women every morning they're up at five in the morning running you know three or four times a week she still does that um find a group you know take a clinic i think would be the best thing but find something you know because it's i know for a guy i a guy like me i i used to love running just by myself i throw on the headset and go running carry my Walkman and go running. And for me, it was more like the loneliness of the long distance runner. There's a book out there called that. And, but I think for a lot of people, it's just get involved. We, we used to in the city have clinics that had like 150 or more people in, in a clinic and just get involved that way. Go on, go to a running store. Like just not just the running room. There's, there's um big sky runners. Now there's, um, city park runners just go there and get you know just talk to them because they're all they're all there to help you achieve a goal chris glock's with us manitoba sports hall of famer uh you know part of um, you know working with sport manitoba on these segments with folks that have had um, you know usually <clears throat> more often than not involvement in sport uh, at some level often very high levels um but once they're finished they're elite performance career um giving back to the sport being involved and i mean you've certainly have done that with the running room i'm with joints in motion with so many different levels um how beneficial has it been to you um to you know long after your days of winning the manitoba marathon to still be a part of the running community and give back um that that's one thing i always like kind of circling back to with our guests on this segment because we hear a very similar theme um that it's something that you know continues to enrich everyone for still being involved 
see, the one thing, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't come from an athletic background anyway. Like, not, had no, no idea I was going to win marathons. So it came full circle for me in a certain way. Like, when I, when I, um, you know, was competitive, but then when I wasn't competitive, even when I lost my vision, I could go back to it because I didn't take it up to be this this competitive athlete. So I think that's when I taught clinics. I could relate to the average person joining a clinic that just their goal was to run maybe just a 5K, you know, or a 10K or a half marathon or eventually a full marathon. So I feel that I could give back that because I didn't come into the sport you know, as that competitive athlete. And when I still ran until I, you know, injury in my vision, I um, I can really relate to those people. And I think that's why people still talk to me. And I like to do motivational talks. And if any anybody's interested in having me out to talk to them, I'd be, I, I'm thrilled to do that. Well, it has been uh, it has been so much fun having you on this. I have to ask you, what was it like? How did you find out that you were going into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, and uh, what was that call like? It was awesome. I mean, I mean, I'm in the there's a there is a, um, a Hall of Fame, the Manitoba Runners Hall of Fame, and I'm in that. I think I was in the first class of that one. But to go into one like this, your for your province with your peers and other sports, and have a class. Every class is so special. But to go in with people I knew from Alex Gardner from the University of Manitoba and then coach, you know, he was the head coach of when, when Donovan and, and Bernie and, and then won the um, one in Atlanta when he won the gold medal in Atlanta and then won the, and then Don Whitman's call was one of the best calls I've ever heard in sports. Um, when he said, you know, when they won the gold medal in the, um, in the relay and his call was if you're if you're Canadian gotta love Saturday nights in Georgia and uh, and he was Don Whitman's my hero as far as a sports commentator and um, so just to go in with like people like Alex and Braun you know the Bronsteed and Do Goods and the swimmer and then the um, the late Brent Bottomley, who his wife took clinics from me. So there was a real connection to pretty much, I knew pretty much all of the groups that went in through through my circle. So it was incredible. I'll never have my family. was was amazing. And there were people there, so. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so well-deserved. I mean, uh, you know, uh, historic running career with the uh, multiple Manitoba Marathon Championships. And I think what stands out and brings us back to, you know, a common theme of the It Takes a Community to Play segments with Sport Manitoba is that um, while you certainly were deserving to be inducted as an athlete, um, there's also a lot of evidence that you would have been in as a builder as well because of everything you've done within the running community. Chris, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the program Thanks for taking a little bit of time uh, down south of the border to join us. Enjoy the rest of your time in Mexico, and we'll look forward to seeing you at some point back here in the peg. It's been an honor. Thank you so much.
I really enjoyed that chat with Chris and appreciate him jumping on with us uh, while he's spending a couple weeks down in Mexico. Um, All right. Uh, We do have to get to the Cool Bet lines right now. I had a very fun show today with Dusty getting kind of diving in a little bit more to that Oiler Bruins game last night, which was an absolute roller coaster. Uh, we got a huge, huge slate of games tonight in the NHL. Let's start it off with uh, two of the top teams in the East going at it. The Panthers, who are one point back of Boston for first in the East with a game in hand. Uh, they've been beating everyone lately, but they're actually a very slight underdog tonight against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Panthers minus 105, Canes minus 112. The uh, Avalanche are in Detroit to take on the Wings. Colorado minus 123 favorite. Detroit is plus 105. Uh, I do like my play of the day for Kuwait, which are going to be throwing up on their socials a little later on. Nathan McKinnon over four and a half shots. At minus 125, McKinnon had 10 shots in his last game, nine the game before, five in the two previous games. He's only got one goal in his last seven games, so uh, he's trying to shoot his way out of it. I like lots of shots for McKinnon tonight. Uh, Rangers and Devils. Rangers are in New Jersey on the road. Slight, slight underdog. Minus 105 for Jersey, minus 112 for the Rangers. Uh, The Dallas Stars. With Jake Ottinger in going up against Anton Forsberg in Ottawa. Sens plus 139 home dogs. Dallas minus 164. Uh, the Habs are plus 220 road dogs. In Pittsburgh against the Penguins at minus 268. The Capitals coming off that spanking of the Devils in their last time out. is a big home underdog. Are an underdog once again. Plus 164 on the Caps money line. Lightning minus 195. The Islanders are in St. Louis to take on the Blues. The Blues a home dog, plus 102 for the home team, minus 119 for the Islanders. Boston back at it tonight after that incredible game against Edmonton. Looks like it'll be Linus Allmark tonight. Jeremy Swayman was in last night. Calgary even money, and the Bruins minus 117. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, who have lost three in a row in reg for the first time all season long, are in Kraken or in the Seattle against the Kraken, looking to end their streak. Vancouver minus one twenty-four, Kraken plus one hundred six. Uh, the Leafs, a very slight favorite, minus one ten on the road in Vegas against the Golden Knights. Who maybe we'll get to this in a minute. No Mark Stone for a while, and still no Jack Eichel. Uh, and then the Predators are in L.A. to take on the Kings. UC Soros back in net. Uh, the Preds just beat Vegas with Lankinen in net. Uh, it's Soros in, uh, uh, tonight for Nashville, plus 126 for the Preds and minus 149 for the Los Angeles Kings. I'm seeing the Jet number up right now. Jets minus 269 favorites tomorrow against the Blackhawks at plus 220. We'll check in on that in tomorrow's edition of the cool bet lines. We do have a couple of exclusives. Dusty and I have a little partner parlay. Rangers to beat Jersey, Dallas to beat Ottawa, Vancouver to beat Seattle. All to win in any fashion. Money line bets. Um, that was plus 468 when we made it on the show. And our pals at Cool Bet have boosted it up to five plus 525. That's there. And then uh, we And by the way, if you haven't joined us before Winnipeg Sports Talk, pop over to Edmonton Sports Talk. Dustin and I get going at noon every day, Monday to Friday. <laughs> and uh, 
I know a number of WSTers are regulars. Uh, but, you know, on days like this where there's lots of games, we love to sort of get everyone in the chat to uh, fire off their favorite picks and give a boosted parlay on that. So tonight, courtesy of our commenters, Jack Hughes, four-plus shots. He's averaging 6.2 over his last five games. So Jack Hughes, four more shots on goal. Vinny Trocek, three or more. He had eight in his last game. And Miro Heiskinen to get a point plus 385. So uh, those are there in the CoolBet exclusives. And if you haven't played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. You got any hot takes on these games tonight? You said the one I was going to say, Nathan McKinnon uh, over the shot prop. You want to take him to score as well. I mean, if he's going to be shooting that much, one of them, he's Nathan McKinnon. You think one of them is going to go in? Uh, so, yeah, I was leaning, leaning that. I am intrigued by this Florida-Carolina game. Yeah, great um, one to start it off. Florida's been great on the road coming in. I think they're one of the top teams in the East. Carolina, I just don't know if they have like the top talent, but you know they're well-coached and they're just a, a solid team. Uh, Goaltending's been a question for them all year. So we'll, I'm intrigued by that game. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where, where you land. Maybe you want to continue to ride Florida. Um, I think Dallas over Ottawa. How about, how about PL and uh, Quentin Byfield? You think they're going to keep it up? Against Nashville, they they connected uh, last game, and uh, Byfield had that highlight reel goal. I don't know, maybe PL's turning it around here. Well, maybe he is, but the Preds, I will say, ever since Andrew Brunette uh, told them that their trip to the Sphere and U2 was canceled, they've bounced back with wins in St. Louis and in Vegas against the Golden Knights after that 9-2 drubbing to the to Dallas Stars, so... They didn't Charles go. Is in tonight as well. No, their coach told them you're not going. They didn't go after to the sphere lost, for you. After did they it? lost nine two to the to, to Dallas. Did players on Nashville like care about you two? I'm assuming it's all like younger guys. Like, is does that resonate with them? Like, do they? I mean, do they care? Like, how, how old are these guys? In Nashville? They probably care. Like, if you're not a U2 fan, like, are they big U2 fans? No, but yeah. I mean, I'd want to go to the like. You could tell me it was whoever at the Sphere, and I I would want to go. That's I mean, true. that Sphere is like the freaking ninth wonder of the world now. That's fair. So I would definitely be uh, be in for that. But you know, you take away the Sphere, and your team wins a couple I never, games. I never heard that story. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they lost to Dallas nine two, and he said plans are changing on the uh, on the trip coming up, guys. Oh, here, yeah, here's the article: how the U two concert was used to send a message to the Predators. <laughs> oh my God. Um, L A. By the way, and I know we've sort of been <laughs> having some fun at L A.'s expense with how their season went into the tank. Uh, maybe their demise was a little premature. They've been good. They man. are playing well. PL, uh, you know, and I know they had the one game where they lost seven nothing to Buffalo, but they've won, I think, six of seven, with the exception of that seven nothing embarrassment to Buffalo. They're only two points back of Edmonton. <clears throat> and the Oilers do have one game in hand. Um, and they're four points back of Vegas with two games in hand. So I saw Dennis Bernstein do a tweet last night saying, Oh, it's gonna be quite the uh, quite the race. Mm -hmm. uh, for second place. 
And I'm like, we're talking about LA being there? Well, actually, yeah, they are right there. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I would not put it this way. I wouldn't bet on the Kings tonight. I, uh, like, uh, I think Soros is, is so good that, um, you know, getting him back in with his team, having won a couple games, having lost their U2 sphere privileges, that's a team that uh, that I don't that I don't want to be fading right now. I will uh, I will leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some other great games tonight. I might have to post up at Win City at six o'clock for a nice long shift tonight. Gotta love the NHL center ice and getting a few games on. Um, do you want to talk about these uniforms quickly? Yeah, we need to touch on. People are asking us every day about the what's going on in Major League Baseball. And I touched on it last week. So they came out with the jerseys and, you know, the lettering, the names looked all small. They're more curved. Um, you know, the jersey material, you know, it's felt like, you know, one of those discount jerseys that you get or a giveaway yeah. jersey, but really yeah, cheap. Exactly. And the, First 15,000 fans. And these are, um, you know, the jerseys the players are wearing. But now more and more pictures are coming out as they do promotional, it's come to light that these jerseys, the pants, are see-through. Uh, here's a couple of Cleveland Indians, or sorry, Cleveland Guardians players. Uh, like You can see their shirt jerseys tucked in. You can see the tag fully. Uh, where's the one of, there's a picture I have of Otani. It's a good thing Drake isn't a Major League Baseball player. You're right. So, and here's <laughs> Otani. And Yamamoto together. Like, you can, like, how ridiculous. These are Major League Baseball, and they put in this new uniform, Fanatics and MLB. And why we're talking, because Fanatics is taking over the NHL jersey production. Now they say they're going to be using the same Adidas facilities, but I don't, I don't trust them. And for fans who want to buy the jerseys, all the jersey buyers are saying, um, just buy last year's on sale or don't buy this year's. And, so now you're seeing that it's see-through and more and more promotional photos are coming out. Well, the Giants did some photos. And check this out, Huss. Uh, this picture of Casey Schmidt. Oh, my God, I got deleted. Casey Schmidt. Hold on. Hold on. Let me. Oh, here it is. This Casey Schmidt mustache photo. Okay, so here's a Giants player. And, the you know, they're saying, oh, you look at his mustache. But, like, you look at the pants. You can see this guy's balls in the picture. NSFW. Yeah, like I mean, NSFW. I have, to, I have to put up a, a black thing. We can't be showing this on YouTube. We might get shut down for showing this. But you can see this guy's testicles. So nope. I, I don't know what they're gonna, what they're gonna do here with these pants. It's insane. Uh, okay, you don't need to just. Leave okay, that on for I took it off. I took. Yeah, we show for too long. Like they might shut us down. But, like, you literally could see indentation there. So um, it's a problem. <laughs> they haven't come out and said anything. Um, Nike and Fanatics. Everyone wants to blame Fanatics, but uh, that's come out that Fanatics is just using uh, Nike's designs, as I'm reading the chat here. Sorry, I guys. I know, the, chat, the chat's completely off the, chat. the rails. And it's your boy Bruce says it's like Leon uh, on Curb from the weekend. If anyone, anyone watched it, I would agree. <laughs> but um, like, yeah, these it's this uniform story. Should, we shouldn't be talking about uniforms on day one of spring training. But Fanatics has taken over the sports apparel industry. 
They've got a monopoly. Now they're doing in-game jerseys. And it looks like they're doing a pretty bad job and everyone wants to shit on them. So here we go. I mean, the see-through pants. Like, I was... Like, the jerseys... I already did not have high hopes when Fanatics took over. Um, I mean, I haven't haven't had any real like I can't think of anything I got from Fanatics that I'm like this is an awesome awesome piece of merch mm-hmm. compared to a lot of the great Adidas Nike stuff that had been happened in the past. But when I saw this business with the see-through pants, I mean that is just, like how does it get to that point? Like these are multi-gajillion dollar businesses. Like is there no quality control? Do they not try these things on? Do they not notice this before guys show up for spring training? They don't care, Hus. They want to make the cheapest thing, want to make it the most easily to produce. They just want to have a white template or a gray template and just heat press on the logos. They don't want to do any embroidery anymore. They won't have any custom designs. Uh, I think that's why last year, if you wanted to get Super Bowl jersey, you can only get the white jersey of each team because it's just easier to put. You just have to make one jersey and change the change the font. That's what the Fanatics did with that. So I think they're trying to make it uniform. You know, used to, the players used to be able to customize their pants. You know, they're baseball players. They got big asses, big thighs. Helps you, uh, especially if you're a pitcher, helps you throw the ball fast. They got to get special pants for that. You don't think, what? You don't, you're laughing that I said big asses? So the no, guys no, need, I guys mean, need. It's the chat. It's the oh. chat. Spencey's new acronym for WST. <laughs> Just, <laughs> We, we might need to end the stream. <laughs> what did he say there? I missed it. But um, yeah, they just want to make everything more streamlined. So you can't, nothing custom and just have it as easier and, okay, see what it says. Yeah. Uh, want to make it custom and sorry, nothing custom and everything just made uh, mo- the most easily and the cheapest. And I hope consumers um, keep calling them out. And maybe don't buy jerseys. Like, they're charging $400 if you want the authentic jersey. I think that's U.S., so I don't know what the Canadian prices are, but it's insane. And I think people are kind of sick of this kind of BS, and we'll see what happens. I'm assuming nothing's going to happen. It's going to blow over. They haven't made any statements. But the players are going to the PA and saying, this is stupid, but, you know, other players are saying, you know, it's funny, all the Nike players, like, uh, Mike Trout's like, yeah, these are great. I love these, and everyone's no one's buying it. So again, we'll see what happens. I I still think nothing will. Rob Manfred will come and be like, ah, oh, everything's great. The game's so so good. Blah blah blah. Like, <laughs> so uh, it's disappointing. I think it's just disappointing. Well, that the players are after wearing these inferior uniforms, but then the cust- you know, the fans who want to buy their jersey just end up paying more for an inferior product as well. So we'll see. Most importantly, now that spring training is, we need daily Daniel Vogelbach updates to find out whether he's going to get a major league contract with the Jays to to put them over the top after a very quiet, quiet offseason. The Jays. We got to get Johnny. We got to get Johnny uh, Gunta on uh, on again sometime soon. Now that baseball's back, man, I couldn't believe the um, Blue Jays offseason where. You know, they're arguing with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. about $2 million. Like, how, what an embarrassing look that is. They were, like, preparing to offer Otani, like, $700 million. You see every other team lock up their young stars to, like, these eight-year deals worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And you can't pay. You're arguing with Vlad Guerrero Jr. about $2 million. Uh, so ridiculous and very, very petty. So 
I'm not sure what to make of it. And every team's locking up their stars. The Blue Jays don't have anyone locked up. What are these guys doing? They're I think they're ready to they're projecting like to finish just out of the playoffs. They didn't make any big improvements. Uh, we'll see what happens. Well, we'll with see. The... They've got some young pitchers that are coming in. Well, their pitching was really good, but everyone was yeah. healthy last year. They got so lucky. Like, that's not going to happen again. That being said, their guys didn't hit at all. They did not. Like, I, I, if you would just assume, like, I, I would assume that the pitching takes a step back. I don't know how they can be as good as they were consistently all last year. Mm-hmm. Although Manoa, like, that was without Manoa, who was supposed to be their ace at the start of the season. He looks like a new human. He is in shape. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. And um, I'm certainly... uh, Vlad has to have a better season. A bowl was great, but maybe a little bit more consistent. Mm -hmm. Matt Chapman still doesn't have a contract, does he? No, but I... neither does Bellinger. It's all the Boris clients. They're just just out. Thanks for the uh, super chat there, son. Yeah, everyone's... I, I saw what you said. Everyone's blaming Scott Boris, but I think a lot of these teams just don't want to spend money and they don't want to try to win. And they just want to collect their paychecks from revenue sharing and from TV deals. Like look at a team like like the Pirates, like they're a joke. Like they, they don't sign anyone. They don't spend money. So uh, I think ML, I don't think it's people want to blame Scott Boris, but I think it's these like these owners of some of these teams just think owning a franchise is like an annuity and they don't have to try to win and they can come in and collect all the money. Um, well, they also think that they don't have a chance to win. Um, you know, the, because so, of so the many teams that, get, no, so many teams get in the playoffs now. It's so much more random. And you want to think about don't have a chance that. to win. You want to look, okay, everyone says, oh, there's no parody in baseball. There's so much parody in the NHL. You know which league has more different champions? since the NHL put in a salary cap, uh, baseball does, or in the NHL. So uh, anyone can win if you try, and I think a lot of baseball teams uh, don't want to try. See, I don't know. As a Royals fan, they had that magical couple of years, and then they couldn't afford all their mm-hmm. guys. They left, and then they lose 110 games a season. Yeah, so. I can't I can't speak to them. But there's other things. I did see it was Royals bench coach uh, Rusty Koontz. He's celebrating his uh, 69th birthday today. Rusty, the Legend, legendary legend. KC. Legend. Absolutely legendary in KC. Hey, Travis, thanks for the super chat as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll stay on top and we will. Johnny Gunta, he was a very popular guest of ours from the Gate 14 pod. I go back and forth with him on Twitter every now and then. So I'm. Uh, we'll try and get him a little bit on the reg as we get closer mm-hmm. to Jay's season. But the focus tomorrow is on the Jets in Chicago. And Dalton Schoen coming on the program as well. We're going to have Rewiki. We'll have Ken Weeb. We will have Dalton Schoen. Potentially Hacksaw. I'm not sure whether Hacksaw is going to take a couple uh, breaks now that we're oh, out of uh, yeah. we're out of the out of the season. Is he on right now? Yeah, he's on actually. Thanks for my. I keep forgetting. Okay, um... okay, everyone that's with us right now, let's go say hi to Hacksaw. We're going to do a raid. Yeah. Uh, to Hacksaw. And uh, maybe he'll be with us tomorrow. Maybe he won't. Uh, and, you know, we'll do an update on the curling. For anyone that's paying attention to the Scotties, uh, the afternoon draw is going on right now. And there is the potential of a six-way tie uh, for four and four in that division. So if you uh, if you go there, 
Uh, hang around. We'll get to Hacksaw coming up in uh, coming up in just a, a couple of minutes, and maybe have him on the show tomorrow. Uh, but hey, listen, a big thanks to our guest today. Really enjoyed our conversation with Chris Glowak, of course, Mike McIntyre, Scott Billick. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, and uh, enjoy all the games tonight. Tomorrow, uh, a pack show heading into the weekend, and the Jets in Chicago, the Blackhawks. Have a good one, and uh, Remo, let's. Uh, Take this party over to the Hacksaw Channel. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.